right. I think we're good. All right. Hello and welcome to the Seems Legit Podcast, hosted by your favorite craft beer drinking, whiskey sipping, bourbon appreciating, sushi eating, steak craving, speedo wearing, tell like it is, poker playing guitars, the dude himself, the dude Sonny. I am very lucky to have my boys from the Vegas Squares podcast on today. Guys, thank you so much for joining me. I'll let you guys introduce yourselves. Aaron, you want to go first? All right. Well, I am Aaron, as you were just mentioned, uh, the host of the Vegas Squares podcast. Uh, we started this going on about three years ago, kind of as a joke, really never thought it would materialize and uh, token of myself, um, which he'll introduce himself in a second, but uh, we just had fun with it and don't take it really too serious and you tail our bets or fade our bets. The choice is yours. I like it. All right. Yeah, and uh, I-, I am token. I'm the one that you definitely want to fade if you don't already know that. <laughs> <laughs> um it, w- with me it's a roller coaster either you go way up quick or you go down and into the shitter so he's uh he's william hill's best customer Let's put it that <laughs> probably one of spike that is true and i'm spike and i'm only here because i haven't figured out how to say no whenever they ask me to be on a podcast but i like your finished jersey and that makes me yeah happy. I, I like that is there a name on it or is it just a blank finland jersey? no it's a blank. I was actually going to put Tuka's name on it, and I'm wearing this because I miss Tuka Rask so bad at this point. I was uh, going to say, speaking of finish, I feel like the Bruins might be. Yeah, uh, <laughs> but uh, Tuka never actually wore this specific jersey, and I feel weird putting his name on a jersey he never actually wore because when he played in the Olympics or World Championships or whatever else, it was a different design, so I'm a little anal like that. Well, I was going to say, isn't it an interesting thing, though, with Finland and their national team that – they almost, when you go into the last, maybe let's say three or four Olympics, probably have been the deepest goaltending wise in terms oh, of sure. which of their top three, like for Canada, the US, Russia, all of the other ones kind of, their goalies separated themselves. For Sweden, it was Henrik Lundqvist for the longest time. And then whoever was going to back him up. But for Finland, they had like a rotation of like six goalies there that any one of them could, like if they didn't have somebody, it was okay. And I think that's what's kind of interesting is it'd be kind of funny to find out how many times like Pecorine actually represented Finland. Yeah, I know there were at least one or two games in the, um, what was that, the Russian Olympics there. What, uh, what's the name Sochi. of that? Sochi, that's it. Thank you. I was going to say Mochi. I'm like, no, that's an ice cream. And I'm fat. So <laughs> Close enough. explain why I said it. Um, ice cream sounds pretty good right now. Yeah, no, in Sochi, I know that Tuca missed at least a game, maybe two, and Pecorino was the starter for was that. Was he? So, okay. Yeah. Um, and then what was I going to say? Yeah, because I, I feel I, like the worst decision a coach has to make is playing the wrong one if you got like five goalie options. I know, right? Especially when you have five number one goalies. Yeah, like, exactly. I think I think that's always the hard, like in Canada's case, for the most part, we've always kind of known either a, who is the number one or who should be the number one. Um, But I think that's like, that's an interesting case. I think going back to when I was on your guys' podcast a couple of days ago, goaltending is such a weird position. And I mean, we saw it tonight with the Bruins, like for a moment there, I thought they were actually going to put Halak back in. Like I thought Cassidy might be like, you know what? On second thought, fuck this. You're back in. Get back in there. Like it's well, that new that rookie got hell. Uh, that rookie got hosed by his teammates. I'm <laughs> sorry, they they left him out to dry. <laughs> I mean, if he was in against the Detroit Red Wings, with all due respect, token, I can understand. You know, maybe giving him a little bit of leeway to, to be a goalie, but good lord, in the second round of the playoffs, and you're you're throwing a rookie, and and Chara's like, yeah, we're done here. 
<laughs> yeah, it's uh, that was insane tonight. Seven to one. But it's an interesting thing. Like when you think about the bubble as opposed to almost a normal hockey environment. In the bubble, I have found at least, and I mean, you guys watch way more sports probably than I do, is I have found the pacing to the games. Both basketball, the little bit I've watched there and hockey, doesn't have playoff intensity, doesn't even have regular season intensity. It comes across a little exhibition-y. I kind of liken it to the pace and grit of like the World Junior Championship. And I think in that sense, coming off a seven to one loss is a little different than it would be in a normal situation where, you, you know, if you're on the road and you lose seven to one, you have to go back to your hotel room, you're FaceTiming your wife, you know, you feel like kind of like shit, but here it's just like, this is fuck. This is just a day. Like this is just a day. I wonder if the weird thing is like when you just, you, I mean, and to use the example we've been using, if you, when you get spanked seven to one and then like the next morning you're in the buffet line with them, like at the same hotel, <laughs> Like, well, how's that conversation go? I mean, I, I just, I don't know. You're right. It probably feels a little much, much too friendly because they're all socially interacting with each other because that's the only options they have. I mean, we all gave, uh, I forget, was it Mike Milbury shit about the women comment, but there is no distractions. I mean, there are no, you know, you saw the, the NFL where that guy tried to sneak a woman into the team hotel and he got cut. They don't, they're not doing that in the NHL right now. <laughs> yeah, he got um, fucked up by his team. They were like, see ya. There's, yeah, there's a fun. do not pass go rule on this. And it seems like, I don't know, to me of the bubble uh, options and the way the MLB is doing it, the NHL is just knocking it out of the park as far as the way that their, their operations have gone. And they've had zero COVID tests. And I know they're talking about bringing in, I think in the conference finals, so next round, bringing in some of the families. I don't agree with that, although I, I can understand it. You know, that's a, such a long time being away. Uh, but the N the NBA did it in the first round. I thought it was a disaster, and they had COVID. They had positive tests, and the NHL has not, thankfully yet. Well, I think when you think about this whole COVID thing, like this is one of the biggest reasons why I had to stop doing podcast episodes for a long time because I felt like I was harping on the same thing, which in turn ended up kind of being proven true. If everybody had gone home, whether you believed it was the right thing or not, let's just say everybody had gone home right when it became a pandemic. Everybody just go fucking home. And I think the problem was it wasn't explained well to people. There was panic. There was alarm. There was a lot of uncertainty. But if they had said, hey, go home, okay? Within the next two weeks, we will know who is sick. And then from that would have gone longer, yeah. You know, at that point, within the first two to three weeks, you kind of know who's sick. If everybody keeps to themselves, truly does. And if you need to go out, you wear your mask you kind of now know who's sick and who has it. You can treat, you can assess, you can kind of keep them away. And then you could have actually started to reopen, in my opinion, much earlier than the catastrophe we have now socially and economically. And I think the problem is, is it's just the hole kept getting, they kept digging the hole deeper. And now, I mean, the media is horrible for this, but now the narrative is almost like completely changed. They almost want to forget that they locked people up for months. It, well, it's, I think people got tired of being locked up. Well, and rightfully so. And because they were, they were locked up with one, no end in sight, and two, they weren't really sure why. Yeah. And look, I'm probably a hypocritical person to, to address this because when there was a, an issued quarantine, I went and played golf. I mean, I understand it's probably not the most dangerous. Like, I'd rather be playing golf than go be inside of a Kroger, uh, you know, shopping for groceries. But 
I mean, I felt like, you know what, if, if, if they're going to do this half-ass and that's the federal and local and, you know, federal, state and local government, I felt like it was a half-ass shutdown. You know, this could be open, but this couldn't. This could be open, but this couldn't. Mm-hmm. Well, why? Well, we don't know. You know, I can, I can have a beer in a bar. I can't have a beer in a bar. But if you put a basket of fries next to my beer, all of a sudden it's safe. So it really didn't make sense. So I think, I think what you're saying, people were kind of like, fuck this, you know? I mean, it's you can't tough. make up your mind what you're doing. So I'm out of here. Like I, like I said, I went and played golf. I played by myself or played in like pairs of two. We remained relatively social distance. And, but I agree with you. I, I, I said, you know, I, I said this to my fiance and I said, Hey, look, <clears throat> if we're going to do this, you've got to go hundred percent. You can't yeah. do this 25%. Shut the whole thing down or don't do it. Because again, as much unknown as we had with the coronavirus, we knew that it really wasn't affecting people of our age, the four of us, you know, in mm-hmm. the terms of, and, you know, Spike and I had a conversation about this on one of the podcasts and he kind of got me to understand that it isn't always just about me. It's about who I'm affecting. And that's why generally other than the golf course, I didn't go anywhere. And yeah. the people who I interacted with actually token being one of them on the golf course. Yeah. I mean, we knew the risks and we, and we, we did what we had to do to remain safe, but I, I, I wasn't going to the store. We got delivery. I mean, not delivery. We got the pickups, you know? I mean, yeah. I mean, is five, five pickup was $5. Is, is, if you're really that scared of the virus is $5 worth your life, pick up the damn exactly. groceries in the, in the car, you know? So it just, I think, and I told this to my fiance, I think the unended, unopened or the open-ended nature of how long this is going to be, because there was no end in sight. They're like, you're, you're quarantined till we say so. And that's just, you know, any red blood Americans going to be like, well, fuck that. Mm-hmm. Well, and I think too, like, looking at what you guys have had to go through down there. And I mean, Spike, you're in a, in a little bit of a different case, but we'll talk about something you said on, on the Vegas Squares podcast, which I thought was, it's funny, but true. Um, and we'll get to that. But it's the idea of, for you guys working in the hotel in the Vegas kind of industry, so to speak, for lack of a better term, it's the idea that you were told to go home, quarantine, don't be around people, we'll bring you back as soon as you can. And then all of a sudden, it's everybody around you is getting fired. Yeah, we're not bringing you back. Yeah, we're not bringing you back. Take a look around you. Line 10 of your coworkers up. Yeah, okay, doesn't even matter. All of you are gone kind of situation. And I think that too, and not just in Vegas, but this has happened across America. It's happened across North Canada as well. Restaurants shutting down. That has to magnify things a little bit as well. Is it's just like we have this sit at home, and and wait for what now and i think that's where you're seeing kind of tempers boil over down there and up here too like you're seeing people that i mean they're not happy but i mean i've heard suicide rates are through the roof since Mm -hmm. probably march has happened i mean people have lost a lot of money in either stocks or investments and all that or even jobs are in lost hope and they, they yeah. turned to that unfortunately but i can luckily say uh that in february early march i lost 68 percent of my portfolio and now here as we sit what august august 26 i am actually up four percent so the market has definitely if you held on if you sold out like that's Trump, the problem you, if you sold out and you got scared then yeah you got f in the a but um i mean if you're in the market for the short-term game and i know that's a whole different conversation then yeah you're gonna end up getting bit in the ass i mean I read a stat uh, on CNBC, I believe, that over the last 100 years, this year, this actually, this six-month period alone has had 14 of the best trading days in the last 100 years. 100%. So, so if MGM you, stocks were up 9% just the other day. 
if you've if you sold out in February uh, and you didn't buy in uh, like I did, I mean, not to toot my own horn, but I'm sure a lot of people did, you know, uh, then yeah, you probably are sitting there, uh, you know, red faced, mad as hell. Mm-hmm. But uh, you know, if, if you watch Warren Buffett and he's jumping in, then you need to jump right behind him. Exactly. Whatever he's buying, when he's buying, that's when you need to start looking at him. Not even just whatever he's buying, just that he is buying. Yeah, that's the time. Yeah, But Spike, it's funny, you'd said something the other day, and I thought it was kind of interesting. So you start a new job at a brand new place. You get there for what, I think it was one or two days. Then they're like, yeah, work home. And then now there's talk of working home permanently. As you had said yourself, there are people you probably actively work with that you communicate with on a semi-regular basis for work that may forget you work there or probably don't even remember what you look like. Yeah, it's That's funny. probably for the I actually, better. I, I, yeah, <laughs> thanks. I, I, I made that comment to my uh, high school, uh, you know, magazine that they send out about once or twice a year. And uh, I, I said that exact thing. Like, I don't think people remember what I look like. Um, in this day and age, we're doing a lot of Zoom calls. So, you know, that being a that bit helps. facetious, uh, you know, people, I, I've seen people enough, but like my office shares an office space with another department and I guarantee they forget what I look like or that I even exist. Yeah. Um, you know, there's uh, like other people that I've met that I've only talked to via email, like people that I interact with on, you know, a weekly, if not like daily basis that I haven't met in person, probably never will based on the way this is going. It's just, you know, it's strange, but truth be told, like uh, I changed jobs, but I've been in the same industry for 17 years now. And for the last about 10, I've been saying that a good chunk, if not entirely what we do can be done from home. This is something we need to explore. And I was shouted down, you know, every which way, because, you know, upper management was 60s and 70s years old and they just didn't get that you could do work without being at work mm-hmm. that was just not something that was on their radar but you know pandemic proved me right apparently well, that's a so, self-discipline thing it seems like you know that yeah, generation it, probably doesn't think your generation and my <laughs> generation they think they have to you have to be on them you know all the time yeah. but they won't get their shit done potentially yeah and i mean if you're going to micromanage somebody and you know look over their shoulder every second to make sure that you know between 8 a.m and 5 p.m they're working the amount that they're supposed to be working you know then yeah you have to have some kind of monitoring whether it be in person or online or whatever else but i mean the truth be told is we're all salary and at some point you hired us trust us to do the job if we're not doing the work get rid of us and find somebody that will like at some point management has to trust the employees to do the job and we're doing the job in fact we're probably doing it better and more efficiently from home than we were at work because you know i the place where i work is 300 and some odd acres and you know dozens of buildings and everything else so if we're going from like meeting to meeting to meeting to meeting like in zoom calls at home all i have to do is go click click, click, click. And I'm in different meetings all the time there. I got to walk 15 minutes in between buildings. You know, sometimes somebody will pop into my office and just have a 10, 15, 20 minute chat about what was on TV last night. I'm way more productive here at home. Mm -hmm. So it's just, it's, it's baffling, but you know, some companies figured it out a long time ago. Some are just figuring it out now. And I think that the funniest, well, funny is i guess depending on how you look at it but one of the craziest um uh, side effects of this whole thing is when companies said okay now you can work from home you don't have to come in 
all of a sudden, everybody's leaving New York City. Everybody's mm -hmm. leaving San Francisco in the Bay Area. Everybody's leaving Los Angeles. And now, like, I think I heard Manhattan has like a 40% vacancy rate in their apartments because nobody's renting there anymore. If they don't have to live there, why would they? The rats are going to take it over. The rats are going to take over New York City anyway. Well, yeah. like, the, un the unemployment's not covering <laughs> the studios either. Oh, well, that's true too. No. Yeah, they, that, that, that's, that's another problem in and of itself. But the, the question I had, just based on what you were saying, I wonder curiously if these people are, you know, if these owners of these companies, these managers, they see that, you know, you guys are all working from home and you're self-policing. I wonder if, if there's a, a sense of that, say, as an employee like you, you know, Spike, uh, to say, hey, look, if I don't do my job right now, there in, in Nevada alone, there's 30% of this population that's ready to take my spot. And, and, and I mean, look, as a person, I'll, I'll, I'll be, you know, I'll admit it. I'm, I'm not employed right now. So, you know, if a good job showed itself there, I would, I would happily step in. Here's so, another question for you. I don't know if you guys have thought of this, but so let's, let's take, for instance, you're a super productive person. You're working at home. You have the nice setup. And uh, for all my listeners out there, I want to be very clear. I am about as amateurish in my setup when it comes to podcasting as there is. I like to think I produce a high quality show and I try to make sure I have good content and whatnot. But when you step foot into Aaron's studio, you're like, okay, this is like the next step from this is Joe Rogan. Like Aaron's got a great setup and I always appreciate that, but I always love coming and hanging out and doing your show whenever I'm in town. Always. Well, I, ha I have a confession to make. Honestly, once we've gone to the, the virtual, the Zoom the video podcast, I've actually dumbed down. I mean, yeah, we have our iMac here that I'm on and I keep a microphone here to make it look like it, but it's not plugged in. <laughs> right. Here I am with one, with one plugged in. Here I am. I, I know you're giving me credit here, but I'll have to admit we've kind of dummied down the studio effect, but yeah, the audio studio, yeah. I worked uh, for about five years in, in radio at a, a few broad, a few stations around uh, Orlando, and uh, I've picked up a lot of that equipment in my travels. Actually, I was the first. I actually saved the company money and actually got a pay raise by incorporating a Skype broadcast, funneling Skype into the radio, the main radio station instead sure. of having to. There's a remote uh, program that costs. Uh, you have to rent it. Oh, uh, the stations have to do it, and it costs money. So I was able to funnel Skype through the radio broadcast and save nice. the company a lot of money. And in turn, making myself some. Um, but, uh, I probably should have held on to that job looking back at it, but in hindsight, uh, right. In hindsight, here's where I was going to go. Go ahead. I was gonna say, there's a few jobs in my life that I've had, um, that I probably should have held on to, but you know, I, I can say, you know, I don't have any regrets because where I'm at now, you know, I met, you know, my future wife here. So life took a good turn, I guess. Mm -hmm. But what I was going to say is, so let's say you have a super productive place. So thank you for raining on my fucking parade there. So, I didn't know where that was going. <laughs> anyway. <laughs> But let's say you've got a great office up and, and okay, so let's, let's now, okay, Spike, you get to be the superstar of the hour here. There you go. Uh, right. um, with your recent work, I've seen the construction pictures and stuff, the desk being put together, all this. So you have a nice workspace now at home, as you were saying. What's to stop someone, for instance, hypothetically, if you're super productive and getting your work done at job A, taking on two, three, four virtual jobs? Because here's the idea. If you're at a normal job, like you got, like you, Aaron, and you, uh, Token, when you're at the poker room, you're at the poker room. There's nothing, you can't go and fucking work in VIP concierge. You can't go work at the spa. You can't do other shit. While I got my hookers working for me. 
Yeah, you can't go and work it. If you're working at the Bellagio, you can't also be working dealing cards at Aria and running back and forth. Like, it just doesn't work. But now that you're working from home, if you've got two or three digital jobs, like, all of a sudden, there's an opportunity. And I'm not saying that everybody can do this. I'm not saying necessarily could exist. But I wouldn't be surprised to find out that there are some people that are fucking go-getters that have tapped into something like that where they're like, wait a second. I am super good at this. I can get my work day's work done in two hours. Let's fill up some of this other stuff here and collect another full salary or two. Potentially, I could see that. Yeah, it's. I think part of it's going to come down to timing. Like if you have to be available for meetings or for something right. else during the workday for company A, then the demands of company B are really going to be dependent on when you can do these kinds of right. things. Actually, a, a buddy of mine is talking about doing basically what you're talking about. He does um, uh, pharmaceutical sales. So he would drive from doctor's office to doctor's office and basically say, hey, it, whatever drugs you prescribe, if you have them come to our pharmacy, then you get a kickback or whatever. Right. I don't know exactly how it works, but that mm-hmm. was what he meant. About it sums like. it up. Yeah, so, <laughs> yeah basically, you know, he, yeah. And, you know, he was doing, you know, 40, 50, 60 hours a week there. But now that he's established in that, he only really has to do about 10 to 20 hours worth of work per week and only a day or two on the road. Right. So he's looking for another way to fill the time. He's done some day trading and this, that, and the other thing. But somebody said that if he does um, – like medical coding, like medical billing coding mm-hmm. from home, you know, you get that up and running, you, you know, start a process. If you get good at it, then you can make good money at that. So he figures mm-hmm. what the hell I can do this. And he doesn't have to do it on a set schedule, which I think is definitely appealing. Right. So, you know, he has the ability to, to bring in that extra income and you know, if it works for him, more power to him. I, I've got all that I can handle with this one goddamn job. So I don't need a right. second one. But you know what I'm saying, though? Like, I'm not saying everybody has to do it or that it's for everyone. Oh, sure. But, I mean, if someone wants to be opportunistic, I don't think, I I, I wouldn't begrudge someone for trying it. Like, why the fuck not? If if there's a way to do it, and that's what I mean. Like, if there was a way where, yeah, you, you didn't really have specific time crunches or availability needs from company A, B, C, or D... There could be a way, like for instance, virtual assistants. I don't, I don't know if that's a big thing. I'm sure it has to be big down there. But like where you actually never meet your assistant, you don't even know who the fuck they are, but they do like all your calendar work. They take care of your emails for you, things like that. Like they, they are your assistant. They just allow you to do what you need to do. And people do it and they charge, but they have like 60, 100 clients and it's just like, whatever, like you're paying me this, you're paying me that. Not, nobody knows that they all share a virtual assistant, but the virtual assistants at home, click, 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 making money. Like, I, I think as much as COVID has been a whole, and don't get me wrong, I, I, I am not trying to undervalue what people struggling and people that are unemployed are going through. But at the same time, I do think that for the right people, I'm sure there are people that have capitalized. I mean, the world's richest people have gotten richer now than I think it's if you took any other time frame in their wealth, you know, accrual. Something like if you took Elon Musk, Bill Gates, Warren Buffett, uh, Jeff Bezos, um, the Oracle guy, I always forget his name. Um, they've increased their wealth something like 40% during this. 
Yeah. Like money is being made. It just isn't us necessarily that's making billions. Like Jeff Bezos today, what is it? He's celebrating being the first ever $200 billion guy. Well, he's, he's the low hanging fruit. I mean, if you said, <laughs> everybody home and tell them they really can't go out because there's a deadly virus out there yeah uh, i mean where am i gonna get my stuff well amazon's the easiest thing so i mean his yeah. was the low-hanging fruit the other ones you're right i mean you know some of these other you know companies you just have to think outside the box and what you're talking about you know being a virtual assistant for 60 people that's that's the fundamental basis of entrepreneurship i mean mm-hmm. as long as as long as clients one through 60 i'm not mixing up their schedules i'm not sending this guy to you know i'm not sending client one to client eight's meeting on accident or flying, you know, buying first class tickets for the wrong guy. Yeah. I mean, who cares if you're working for 60 different, you know, clients Yeah. again. And, and I guess it would, like you said, it would be the, the limitations your employer sets on you. And I know that a lot of us here on the podcast watch the office. I don't know if you guys remember when Michael Scott took that telemarketing job <laughs> and, and couldn't do his other job. And then Ryan's like, look, you know, if, if, if your other job affects performance at this job, then you need to, quit that job or you're fired here. So yeah. as long as that doesn't happen, your employer really shouldn't step in your way. But like you said, with Spike's job, Spike's a little different. You know, he's eight yeah. to five, got to be got to be focused into his one job. Mm-hmm. Now, if he wants to do something from 5 p.m. until he goes to bed, then that's absolutely his his right as mm-hmm. you know a person who wants to make money in a capitalistic society. No yeah. one should be able to say no to that as long as it's yeah. outside the parameters of his initial primary employment. Yeah, yeah part, part of it is, you know, especially in my industry, it is for lack of a better word, it is very incestuous. So if I did try to get another job, even if it was not restricted by hours, They'd you know, know. I, I, it's, my boss would know. Somebody at my, my place of work would eventually find out and I would kind of get you know, the raised eyebrows, like, why do you need another job? What are you doing? Yeah. What, what's going on here? So you know, that, that sort of thing would happen. But yeah, like I said, you know, there, I'm sure there are plenty of options out there for people that you know, have the drive, have the ability and have the time to go out there and do it too. Cause it's going to depend on circumstances as well. Like, you know, my wife and I, we don't have kids. If we did, I sure as shit couldn't even think about taking a second job, you know, mm-hmm. especially with the two of us working as much as we do mm-hmm. and me back in school and all that. It's just like, you know, it's not anything that we could do, but you know, for single guy, no kids, even with a roommate to help pay the rent and all that, just going out there doing two, three, four jobs at a time. Yeah, live it up. Do your best life. When I was working overnights, you know, at my previous job, you know, when I would come home, the market was open. I'd play the market till, you know, one o'clock when it closed here on the Pacific, you know, coast. And then I'd go to bed. And I mean, I know those are a little different. That's not really a job that, you know, would affect your other employer. But hey, you know what? It's putting putting extra money in your pocket. Sure. But I'm saying it's not all income. I would have a huge problem if my job says you couldn't put money in the stock. You couldn't play Mm -hmm. the stock market. That would be that's a different thing. But like. You know, token, you know, token, token and I both being in the casino industry have had multiple jobs at once and we've had to deal with the, you know, Hey, I got to go to my other job and your first job being basically being nonchalant. Like, I don't care. You know, this is, this is you're here now. You can yeah. go there when we're done with you. And yeah. if you're working for the same, cause the, the, you know, if you, if you've been to Vegas, it seems like it's kind of a, a two headed monopoly with MGM and Caesars. There's a couple others in there with, you know, Venetian and on, you know, win and stuff, but Virtually, if you want to get the double job thing and, and have it work in your favor, you want to work for one of those companies, have both your jobs with them. If you have one of your jobs with them and one of your jobs with MGM or one of your jobs with Caesars or one of your jobs, say you work at Caesars in the Venetian, the, each of those companies, they don't give a shit when you're ready to go to your another job. They're like, yeah. well, we're done with you, then you can go. And yeah, the, other exactly. job, the other job doesn't care. They're like, you need to be here or there will be punitive consequences. I ran into that situation a few times 
Um, Token, I don't know your work history with the company, but I think, you know, most of it. I've had that situation multiple times as well. It's, it's, it's a little stressful. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah. it's, it's, I, I get it. You know, it's, it's, it's as long as you're, you know, you're limiting, you're not limiting your ability to give the other, you know, side hustle job, your, your, your hundred percent, then I don't see how any company or anything should be able to stand in your way. Yeah. Well, and, and I mean, I've been lucky enough and, and, and token it's it like, I, I've I, like, I know you guys probably be- better than quite a few other people that are going to be listening. What not know you guys, like I've witnessed this firsthand with you guys. Like I've facilitated, I have chaperoned, I have, that is true, yeah. you know, I've done whatever I could almost in a way, in many ways to concierge, um, your guys's double lives. Sure, sure, I've taken a few, uh, naps in your room before, (laughs) you know, and it, you know, but, um, you know, I, I, I can't tell you how many times token where you and I, where I've met you, you know, you're finishing job one. You're like, Hey, you want to come with me to grab a cup of coffee? And you're like dead after job one. And I'm like, you've got to fucking go another eight hours, another nine hours fucking doing this shit. Like, I know there are times and I mean, you've come to and, and seen me at the tables. Like there are times when I'm, I'm fuck, I, I'm asleep. Like I'm <laughs> yeah. asleep playing cards and, and I've gotten the tap on the shoulder being like, Hey bud, I think it's, I think it's time to, I think it's time to pack it in. Yeah. And, time to call it the night. <laughs> yeah. And then I'm like, Oh, Hey, are you done for the night? And you're like, dude, I still got four more hours. And I'm like, how the fuck is that going to work? Right. Like, yeah. It's a tough, it's a cutthroat life, but it's true. Like it's I, what you sign up for, and yeah, and there's an asterisk on that because it's not. He doesn't do that all year, and not to yeah. put it down. I'm saying there's a very specific time frame when you do that, and why is that? Because the money's there, and mm-hmm. you know, a lot of a lot of people. You know, I always laugh at this. You know, it's a meme. I can't remember where I saw it before, but it was like, you know, and, and why do you want the, it was an interviewer interviewing a candidate. Why do you want this job? It's like, well, I've always dreamed of being a fucking dishwasher at Chili's. No, I need the money, bitch. <laughs> you know, mm-hmm. so, you know, it's not like we go into these jobs. I mean, I can't speak for every single person, but I'd say I, this is a made up statistic, but I'd probably say 75% of people go into a job for the, the pay, yeah. you know, or they go into, they, they, they want that job because of money. I mean, it's, mm-hmm. it's not often we go into a job because we want to do those things. I mean, I didn't right. grow up wanting to be what I was. And, you know, you just, money is a driving influence, you know, in, in employment for most 100%. people. But, and, and I mean, and to put it into perspective too, I think for the list, for listeners at home or viewers, whatever, it's, there are moments when, like, I think we can all admit here safely, like, this is a safe place to admit it. I, I always like to, on my podcast, I like to admit, I like to lead with the things that I fuck up on and my shortcomings more so than my strengths. You know, especially if I talk to a subject that I'm particularly, I feel strong at. And I think when I look at you guys and I look at the, the, the summer grind that you guys go through, because it's a very different grind than what I go through in the summer. And I'm not trying to undermine what I go through and I'm not trying to undermine what you guys go through. But I've been there for, for the moments with both of you guys when you're ready to pack it in. And it doesn't take long. It's like, we can cut the shit. It is not long into the summer when it's like, fuck, I don't know how I'm going to do this. And there's a, there's a wall that hits you right in the fucking face. And you're like, holy shit, this, this sucks. And then you have to plow through that. And I think that's kind of where it comes from is like, I think 
like you guys have a certain mental strength about it that in a way kind of in, has probably better prepared you for something like what's going on with COVID in that you've kind of had to tax yourself in a sense. You've had to push through these barriers. You've had to push through these obstacles of being, of wanting to give up. I'm sure there was times during this COVID where it was, would have been easy to be like, fuck the casino, fuck Vegas. I'm out of here. Like this place is going to hell and it's going there soon but you, you, you tough it out, right? You, you hope there's some light at the end of the tunnel. It's no different than when you guys are pulling doubles in the summer. Like Aaron, I remember your back last year. I remember, I remember there was days when you were fucking keeled over, you'd show up in the room and you'd be like, I don't know if I can do this, man. Like, you know, Anthony, how many times am I sitting there having, you know, where we're talking and we're yeah. both almost grabbing that nap at midnight and, and I'm like, and we're both like in that for each other. And I'm like, fuck it. If you're going to work right now, I'll come and play. I'll come and play as long as I can. <laughs> yeah. Just, to, it, just it's to be usually there. two to six hours give, given. It can be whatever. Some nights I'm there all night. Some yeah. nights I'm, I'm yeah. in and out. Well, and, Sonny, if you but, think about it, we're both chasing the same thing from our end and from your end as a yeah. poker player, you're chasing a big payday and uh, you know, and, and the summer in Vegas, is one of the prime spots for that large payday and yeah. us as workers in the casino industry and in the poker industry, that eight week period is our payday, you know? Uh -huh. So we know, we know what it takes to, to achieve that. And unfortunately, sometimes there are, you know, there, the, those moments where you want to throw in the towel, but I, I can say this probably, and I would probably, I think token would agree with me because we kind of do the same thing that when we did do two jobs, if we were doing them both sitting down, I think we would probably throw in the towel, but because we can stand up, at one mm -hmm. of our jobs and move freely, um, that actually alleviates a lot of it. There was one year where I actually stood up at both jobs and I never had an issue. I'm like, this is, life is grand. Yeah, and if you're not bending over constantly, stuff like that, I mean, that, that, that like really the, motion, with the bending over concept. Yeah. I mean, like, that, uh, that really gets me more about this job, but anyway. Yeah. Well, I mean, I, I'll say, <laughs> I, I, when the year I, the year I was a floor uh, in both jobs, uh, you know, one, I ran, I ran the room that you're familiar with. I worked, yeah. you know, I don't care. I worked at the Flamingo. Um, and then the other job I had was at Planet Hollywood doing their tournament series. Yeah. And every chance I got, I don't know if, you know, your listeners or you know how much about, uh, you know, a floor man running a tournament. Every chance I got running a tournament, I grabbed table break job. Because all you do is sit back in the back, collect cards. And then when you have enough seats, you throw them to a table, you grab the racks, you do it again. You're waiting 15, 20 minutes, just sitting there doing nothing. Just, yeah. And the, the assistants are throwing you seat cards. It's the cushiest job in the world. Yeah. I mean, and as a person who was working 90 to 100 hours a week, I grabbed that any chance I could. It's, it's, a, it's not a laziness. It was a work smarter, not harder kind of thought process. 100%. I mean, and Anthony, for you, like I, I know when, I, when I've watched you do the double, it's a, it's a big jump right? Because yep. you're going from one room where it's like, hey, I know where I sit on the totem pole. And then in the other job, it's like, well, you're not that spot on the totem pole. And I mean, and, and the worst part is that's the one that's the taxing one, because that's the one that comes after the other job, right? And yeah. And there's a, and what was the worst part about it was there's a little gap in between that kind of you have to that's the worst you got to go back to you got to go back to back if you have that gap yeah. you, you have a chance to sit and yeah it, it, you got to push yourself through it and that's the hardest part in my opinion instead of just going straight through yeah what's what's the what's the more crazier feeling that two hours in between 16 you know, 16 hours of working 
or in August when you're back to a 40 hour work week and you don't know what to do with the other 50 hours of your life. <laughs> I'm telling you every August, I'm like, Oh my God, I'm bored out of my mind, but I don't wish myself to do 90 hours a week every, you know, every week of the year. So it's, it's yeah. the weirdest feeling in August when, you know, kind of Vegas turns into a ghost town and you're like, Oh my God, this is boring. If, if it lasted like an extra month, that'd be like ideal because that'd be an extra num um, extra month of that supplemental income to really pay some bills and all that. But however, you got to catch up on rest sometime and that extra month would probably actually kill a whole bunch of people. Really, I can, I can say when I first moved here, I, I was, I was a deal. I take on two jobs. I would deal at the world series and I would deal at uh, Harris and mm -hmm. I would work as much as I could. Cause I was also 24 years old at the time. I would work as much as I could any shift. Yes, sir. I'm, I'm in, I'll take it, you know, and I stockpiled that money mm -hmm. because in August, you know, in August, in November, in, in January, in, in, in February, in, in May of next year, there was very low pockets of, of people coming in. So you watch these, you know, people not to put down my fellow, you know, people who work in the industry, but you watch these people who kind of live month to month and paycheck to paycheck. And here I am, I've got that reserve. And like, you know what, you guys want to sit here and do up downs? No, nah, I'm out. I got that. You know, I worked my ass off in June and July. So, you know, you learn that real quick, just bank up all that money because there's ghost town periods of this. And yeah. that's, you, I think one of the lights at the end of the tunnel. Them. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. the light at the end of the tunnel. You're saying, look, you know, in August life will go back to normal and you'll have more money than you, than you had before. And as long as you didn't blow it, you know, obviously this town is full of vices and people indulge in them. You know, just because they work in a casino doesn't mean they don't indulge right when they clock out. So. Well, Spike, your wife's an attorney, right? From what yep. I understand. Does she, is she kind of doing the virtual thing or is she in an office? Like, how does it work? Yeah, so she's been home. Uh, she actually got sent home a day before I did. So it was right around the same time where we just, uh, both of our places of work said to work virtually. She's had to go into the office a few times during the pandemic just to mm. get files or to use, you know, the big printer right. and the big binders. Cause you know, when they're like preparing for a deposition, they need big binders, lots of paper, the whole thing. And our right. little shitty printer that's networked in yes, the other room. Yes. Takes yes. Your wife is fancier than the rest of us. Yeah, yeah exactly. So <laughs> it, 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 you know, it's just one of those things where, you know, she had to adapt, but yeah, they're at a point where like she will have mediations and she'll have hearings, like actual hearings with judges by Zoom or over the phone. Like that, that to me is strange. I mean, that, that's I'm not crazy. Imagine that you're defending someone and he's fucking in jail zooming in. There, he was, does... a, there was a guy in. I want to say Singapore, but I don't think that's right. But somewhere in that area of the world who was convicted and sentenced to death over Zoom. No! Yep. Wow. Yep. And it became a controversy because the creators of Zoom were like, yeah, we never intended for somebody's life to end because, because of, of us. Program. Well, so, I mean, you had to understand that you're, you're facilitating speech between <laughs> every person in the world. You know, some of it's you're not going to like. Yeah. But I, at the same time, for that guy's sake, that guy in Singapore or wherever, I'm sorry, that's disrespectful. I mean, oh, to, sure. to, to tell somebody that we are going to hang you, inject you, whatever. That's got to be the ultimate, like, mind fuck. Just... Oh, yeah. Well, and, you know, it, it, people are going to find ways to use products the wrong way. That's actually one of my wife's cases. Or uh, She worked on it a little bit, but it was her firm's case 
Mm-hmm. There was a case in Nevada, a death penalty case in Nevada, where somebody was about to be put to death. The guy was like, yeah, put me to death. I'm going to give up my appeals. Just let's get it over with. And one of the drugs that they were going to use for the lethal injection, the manufacturer stepped in and sued the state of Nevada saying, we don't want our drug associated with this process. It was never oh. meant to be that way and all that. And they ended up winning an injunction against the state and they actually, they stayed the death penalty because of it. And they said, all right, we'll figure out another way to, to carry out justice. And then the guy ended up killing himself. So it was all moot in the end. Mm, I think, but I think, Oh, Aaron's back. Okay. Hey, well, look yeah. at that. Was it just that lost there? Yeah, yeah, I think so. I think, yeah, you just froze up. Yeah, you have oh. that. Uh, but it was a good, it was a good look. Like you looked like you were like, hey, I got like, you look I'll really be right inventive. back. Yeah. I don't even know where I left off. Anyways, too long didn't read version. Comes right back in and takes over. I love <laughs> <Yep>. it. <laughs> I didn't know if we were still recording. I don't know what's going on. <laughs> Go for it. Why not? Anyway. <laughs> Too long didn't read. There's some industries that really should not be operating virtually, like, you know, sentencing someone to death. Yeah, <laughs> I don't know if we're still recording or not. So. No, we are. We are. It's, it's oh, all yeah. good. It's all good. We talk for whatever the fuck we want to on this. I don't even know uh, where I got frozen at there. So just but uh, <laughs> kind of going back to what you guys had said, like, let's let's kind of talk about poker here a little bit. So they've moved online, which has been which at the best of times, I've long felt like p- online poker has kind of crossed a line to being not the healthiest of places to kind of, oh, good, I have Justin is behind me, um, is uh, not the healthiest of places to be play- spending your poker time for lack of, without getting into things that are controversial and whatnot. Now with it kind of moving online and the World Series of Poker and WPT were the two big ones. I mean, PokerStars always has their things. Um, Do you think this is a trend? Do you think whether we come back to having live poker series and whatnot, which the Venetians trying to kickstart and good for them, and we'll get into that. Do you think there's going to be now a new niche, a new pocket or opportunity for online poker? Or is it just filling? Like the people that want to be playing, that are playing WSOP, they might be playing online right now, but they prefer to be playing it live. Or do you think they're going to maybe say, hey, we could do both? To, to, to me, it almost seems like the people that really do well live and struggle online are going to stick with more live, but the people that like to drink and play that might have to like to drink and play. I like it. I like it. Yeah, is that, that, is that, that a Sunny D reference. <laughs> so the well, well, I'm just saying in general though, th- those people that might uh, drive after drinking or maybe yeah. having a few too much, they might stick with the online approach yeah. because it's more it's safer. safer. Oh, yeah. And you might see that you have more people that are uh, anti uh, skimming off tournaments and all that. Mm. And they prefer online just because there's a lower rake, of course, it's low cost. is Is there in the grand scheme of it, like Aaron, you and I have talked about this many a time. And I think you and I, it's, it's kind of funny because we agree with some of the unpopular views, but from a different standpoint about rake and how much rake and whatnot. Internet and base poker, for instance, like for a poker stars or a GG poker or party poker, any of the big public ones is an infrastructure issue. 
you need to make sure you have the servers, they're housed properly, they don't crash, they have the right bandwidth, all of that. At a certain point, your costs are essentially fixed-ish. Um, secondly, they're not paying the same cost for internet and bandwidth that you and I are. I want to be very clear about that. Okay. I think at that point, when you consider that and you look at some of the rakes being charged on WSOP events, on WPT events, I would say dollar for dollar, what you're getting, that rake is higher than playing live, in my opinion. And we've talked about the argument for live rake. And how some players say live rate, you know, rake is getting too high, rake is this. But as we've said before, that rake is what pays the bills. If you want a dealer that knows how to deal all the limit games in horse, you kind of need to be able to pay them. Otherwise, they're going to the place that can pay them the most. Right. And the thing is, is you know, as a person who's been in live poker for the last well, 10 plus years, uh, you know, and I've had access to P&Ls and stuff. I mean, the best poker rooms in the world don't make much and, right. and good poker rooms make nothing. Right. Uh, you know, we all know that poker is ten technically called what it, what it's referred to as a loss leader. Get you right. in. Hopefully your wife or husband, the non-poker player of the two of you is a slot player or is a table games player. That's, you know, it's an amenity is what they like mm -hmm. to call it. Um, another thing you, you, you brought up with the, you know, online with the server abilities, the bandwidth, uh, you know, the ability uh, is there's two things actually is one is safety because we've all heard the stories of HUDs, you know, scams, you know, all these different technology, technological advancements mm -hmm. to be able to cheat. And the other one is, um, is power, you know, as these companies get bigger and bigger I and mean, look at full tilt, I played full tilt very heavily and, and, and poker starts very heavily back in 2009, 2010. And once they created a monopoly, and, and virtually shut out their other oh, I think we're losing him again. Did I lose all you guys? It's, they got worse uh, from a player-friendly standpoint. I feel like live poker is constantly always finding a way to remain competitive. And right. I, it baffles me. And look, I, you know, there's somebody who could sit on the other side of this and, and rip my argument to shreds, but it baffles me when I hear, because I worked in Florida where the rake was seven and three. It baffles me when I when someone comes to Vegas and tells me that our rake is too so high. Seven I, I and have three. A hard so, time. so sorry. Yeah, for those, it, was, for, for, it was actually seven and two when I left. And I, now I've heard in some places down in like South Florida, it's seven and three. But so, they have, you know, million dollar bad beat jackpots and stuff. Right. Now, it's, it's so that seven and three concept. So for my listeners and whatnot, I don't know that I do the best job because I don't run a poker room. I don't work in poker on that side of the table. Can you explain, because you probably do a much better job of it than I do, what is meant by saying a five and three or a seven and three or a five and two, what that okay. means and what that means from the pot and from the, from the house versus players standpoint, if you don't mind? Sure. Uh, I mean, to break it down, you know, every room, they, this is like one of the biggest things that any, any person's going to say in poker. Every room has their own set of rules. Uh, but traditionally, I'll kind of break it down here in Vegas, you know, max rate generally anywhere. Uh, the highest I've ever seen is five, five dollars as a rake. That's a percentage of the pot, 10% of the pot, and a maximum of five dollars taken out of the pot. So, and on the flip side, you have a jackpot drop, which goes to promotions. That that pot is 100% funded by the players and returned to the players in the form of promotions, high hands, bad beats, et cetera. So basically, 
as the putt grows, the percentage of the putt, or the percentage of the take gets higher. So for example, if you have a $34 putt here in Vegas, um, a house that I have worked at traditionally is going to take $3 for the rake that pays the bills. As you said, keeps the lights on, pays the dealers, you know, et cetera. And then uh, in, in the houses I've worked at, that would be $2 out of that pot to, um, to the jackpot to promote, you know, to fund the promotions as well. Um, that 10% number, uh, you know, is fluent throughout the pot. But once that pot reaches $50, that house does not take any more money. So from $51 all the way until as, as much as you can get in that pot, the house is not taking any more. Right. So that happens per pot, unless you want to pay a time, which we can get into that, you know, mm-hmm. that's it, a whole different situation, <laughs> uh, you know, as far as people who like time versus hand raked. Um, basically, it's how the house makes money in, in the poker department. So it, there's many different theories. Like I said, you know, in some places in Florida, that, that number five actually goes up to seven. So mm-hmm. as long as the pot is under $70, the house is still taking money. Right. Um, again, there's many different uh, pros and cons to that. Uh, I mean, some people think it's too high. You know, people who recreationally play, who are splashing around a lot of pots, don't tend to think about it. But people who are playing for a living or, mm-hmm. you know, as we like to call it, the Las Vegas free roll tour here in, in Vegas, mm-hmm. uh, they are watching every dollar that goes down those. And uh, it, 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 affects their bottom line in their opinion. Um, I like to think of it as the cost of doing business. Mm-hmm. This is your job. This is, this is the cost of your job. But again, I sit on a side where that little slot on the right keeps my lights on here in this house. Right. So, yeah. So, and and I mean, everybody's got a different opinion on it. And, and, and as a player, when I played regularly, I kept more of an eye on it and I can understand the other side of that, why people can, have complaints but to me again when people come from the northeast and people come from florida and say that our rake is too high i really as a person who knows what those are it's just like i just want to say you know hypocrite Mm -hmm. well i think and and not to toot my own horn too much but it's funny because both you and token as 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 well as being two of my absolute closest friends like i you know, it's funny. I, I read something recently where they say you can really only maintain about five friendships in your life. And um, at any given time, you, after that, you have acquaintances and you have, you know, you have tertiary, you have colleagues, you have people, you know, people oftentimes confuse people, you know, with friends. But I do consider the three of you friends and, and very close friends. Like I, if I needed something, I could call you guys up and I, and I know it wouldn't be an issue, but where I'm going new with phone, that is, is, pardon me? I said, new phone, who this? <laughs> <laughs> but uh, it, funny enough, I'll be sending you guys my baby registry right away. So uh, I butter you <laughs> up know, with you guys knowing an email is coming. Uh, that goes for you Fair too, enough. Spike. Uh, especially, knowing, especially knowing both you and your wife's income potentials. Um, that's, that's, <laughs> oh, that's, that's, wow. <laughs> Oh, Spike's going to send the good stroller. Uh, that's God. the bassinet. That's the bassinet. Yeah, if you hear that, babe? We get the new, we get the fancy. He gets bassinet. the Swarovski crib. Yeah, <laughs> if, you actually, if you actually knew what I got paid, you would not be sending me that shit. My wife makes more than double what I make. Yeah, I'll send her the list. That's why, um, he, that's why he roped her in. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. But um, I've always kind of, because of our friendships and whatnot, gotten to see kind of that other side, right? I see the shit you guys get from players. And I always, even at my worst behave times, I still, I, I feel like I try to be staff friendly about my, like, 
let's call them what they are, tantrums, for, for lack of a better term. And I, I, I think, especially when it comes to poker and, and you talk about rake and things like that, I, I think the biggest thing too is that, as you said there exactly, it is a cost of doing business. If you're going to be a poker player and whether you're being a recreational player, an amateur player, a professional player, however you want to define your poker playing, your abilities, your credentials, whatever the hell it is. I think you have to understand one thing. You can't be too occupied about the money that you're never seeing. You're not seeing that rake money. It's not like they're giving you the whole pot and they're like, hey, 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 ship some of that back here. It's never going to you to begin with. And I could see that, yeah. you know, and, and dealers, fuck, I've, I've watched your guys's hands, man. I fucking watched Tony's token there and his fucking hands are smooth as he's scooping away and dropping in his various trays and whatnot. And honestly, when I'm playing and I, and maybe I'm wrong, you guys could be the people that would correct me on this. I don't think I've ever made a deal about the house getting theirs, about the staff getting theirs and about the house getting theirs. And I've never really encouraged that kind of talk because I understand this. At the grand scheme of it, a lot of players complain that, oh, this is why you need the bigger action, bigger action. Poker players like, and I'm sure you guys see this all the time, they like certain words and certain words that they really get attached to that they find very sexy are action, rake, and deep stack. Those are the big three I find. And, and maybe I'm forgetting something. Those are the big three terms that get hard-ons on poker players, male and female. They get fucking excited for those three terms. And action, I feel, is they is because the player feels, I need that pot to go beyond a certain point so that I can beat the rake. Well, sure, no in, rake a one, in a one-two game, once it gets over 50, you're, 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 you're free-rolling at that point. Exactly. But at a certain point, too, you're not beating the rake because the rake's going to happen regardless. You know, unless you're Doug Polk and buying fucking um, the uh, things that, oh God, I'm drawing a blank on those. Um, the signs outside the Rio there. Uh, oh, yeah, the, uh, the billboards, the yeah. yeah. Unless you're buying billboards and sending people into casinos with rakes. I mean, what is there to beat? You know, so when it comes to action, I feel like it becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy and you see a lot of players. I've witnessed it. I'm sure you guys have witnessed it too. Players almost feeding this false misinterpretation of what's happening, this false perception. And now they become losing players because they force action. They force raises. They force, you know, the, the continuation bets. They grow pots that they're going to lose, you know? And how many times you see players that are non-profitable players that keep showing up and they keep with that same mentality, oh, I got to beat the rake. It's five fucking bucks. It's five fucking bucks that you were never getting your hands on anyway. Yeah, like, it depends on how you look at it because you know, theoretically the losing player in that pot technically paid your rake or, the, or the blinds paid your rake. Something, exactly. that, something that may have been forced into the pot. Yeah, it's, it's, it's a viewpoint thing. I mean, and, and I, I've said this to, you know, people in, you know, on our side of, I guess you would say, I don't want to, I don't want to label this kind of like a, conflict kind of thing but you know i said i, I urge there's a lot of people in poker who i would guarantee are smarter than i am and 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 probably have business sense and i i would urge them to look at these companies if i was looking down at the the the, the statements over the last 10 years that i've looked and i was seeing profits in the in the seven figures then i could i i understand 
they have mm-hmm. a case, you know, that the rake is too damn high. But uh, knowing what I know, I don't, I, I, I urge these people who I know are smarter than me, probably better in math, probably better in business to look at these and, and wonder, hey, you know, okay, you look at these numbers and then try to try to justify lowering the, mm-hmm. the total take of the house and still coming up with these numbers. You just can't do it. And I, I get it. You know, I understand. I, I think it's a general and token. You probably would agree with me on this. And, and Spike, as a person who, who plays tournaments mostly for a living, and, you know, those, I would say, are more of a, of a quote unquote, as I like to say, rake trap. Um, I, I would urge these, these people to kind of come and look at it again. And it, it, they don't see what you see. And in token, you've, you've probably had access to some of those numbers as well. You know, how do you tell somebody you can't, when they're yelling at you about the rake, you can't be like, well, you, let me show you my profit loss statement. And, you know, you can't do that. Obviously you have to figure yeah. out a different way mm-hmm. to basically say, you know, I don't agree with Negreanu, maybe more rake isn't better, but I think where these places are at, I mean, look, I can, I can justify Florida, you know, seven, like you said, seven, two, seven, and three, and the drinks aren't even free there. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh. yeah. Yeah. It's not legal. Florida, the state of Florida, it's not legal to serve complimentary beverages. Uh, complimentary alcohol, excuse me, the, the, the soda products and stuff are. Well, and it's funny too, because Token, you, like your room that you dealt, that you, that you worked in was primarily, and, and correct me if I'm wrong, more of a recreational amateur room. No, there was, it, it, you're absolutely right with that. And, and there was some sharks that used to come swimming in there. Yeah, well, you mean, know, there was some sharks that used to come swimming in there and used to prey upon the, the recreational fish, for lack of a better term. That's where they that's, should be. Sorry to interrupt, but that's where the sharks should go. 100%. There's yeah. a reason why I like certain rooms in Vegas more than others. Um, I've got no ego to prove by going and playing a 5-10 game at the Bellagio. Mm-hmm. Right? That's, in a sense, that's why I play tournaments. That's why I play both games. Because I'm like, wait a second. I can prove my poker acumen and ability by going and playing in World Series of Poker events and playing the broad spectrum of games. But in the grand scheme of it, a smart player is also going to be like, wait a second. Where am I going to go play where I'm better than everybody? Or at least where I'm good enough that I can recognize where I stand in the field present? And when I look at that kind of experience and I look at your the room you were in, uh, Anthony, it was, I mean players used to whine and complain about the weirdest fucking things oh yeah i mean absolutely like like very petty kind of things almost and Mm -hmm. it'd just be like almost nonsense what they were trying to comprehend with it 100 percent. i could imagine and there was times too when they debate on a dollar hey that should be four that should be four instead of five why are you taking the full five that should be four instead of five and it's like no, it's a $55 pot. That's a $5 rake. But you see them yeah. cling to things. You know, how many times players, you know, how many times people get mad at each other? Cause they're like, fuck man, we lost money on the rake because you wouldn't rate because you didn't bet the river. And you're like, I am so sorry. Wait a second. Are you belittling that other player? Because for some reason you feel he's the bad guy that's caused you harm against this other, but it's, it's shit, but it's yeah, true. I mean, it's it's, it's pure nonsense. <laughs> that's a whole different conversation of what they like to call tapping the tank. <laughs> Sharks versus Spike, Rex. But, but Spike, you and I have played <laughs> tournaments together. Yes. Like we've, we, we've played tournaments together and it's funny because, so you pr- primarily play p- tournaments. Let's get into this. Yeah. 
what is it that draws you to the tournaments? And then we can kind of digress from there. Sure. So what I've found in Vegas, especially on the strip, is that even though the tournaments have, you know, an exceptionally high rake, usually somewhere in the 30 to 40% of the buy-in goes to the house or goes to the, you know, staff or whatever, it doesn't go into the prize pool. Mm-hmm. Um, that the players that are playing it, especially the late night ones, are typically drunk or they just kind of want to try it out without having to buy into a cash game for two, mm-hmm. three, four hundred dollars, whatever the max is. So sometimes they'll just go and they'll just kind of fuck around for a while. Plus, none of them know how to adjust to the blinds going up. It's just, it's baffling. None of them know how to, you know, they had a 20 big blind stack. The blinds go up. Now they have a 10 big blind stack. They don't know how to adjust. They don't know mm-hmm. where their shove ranges are or anything like that. Mm-hmm. So, you know, to play against those kinds of players, it's just easy. You can bully them. You can play, you know, however you want, basically. And they're going to shut down and, you know, try to fold their way into the money, which just doesn't work in those tournaments. Mm-hmm. Uh, Aaron brought up a good point earlier that, you know, the rake is ridiculous on those. So it does become very feast or famine. If you don't cash, then that, that you can, I've had like month and a half, two month streaks where I didn't cash once and I was playing two or three a weekend. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, that can get a little problematic, but I mean, for the most part, it's just, you know, the players, they don't want to sit around for three or four hours pl- or, you know, for five, six, seven, eight hours. They don't want to have the big buy-ins that you would have that's, in a cash game. It's the time investment. Yeah. yeah mm-hmm. So you can get in and out of there pretty quickly. And then, you know, it, it's, it can be a better game, especially if you know how to run short stacks or if you know how to bully with a big mm-hmm. stack and all that. It's just, you know, well, you, can, okay. you can play people out of their game, make them uncomfortable. And I know you can do that in a cash game too, but with the tournament, it's just much more prevalent. Yeah. And I think your, I think your talent, gap is far bigger in tournaments uh, especially those tournaments than it would be even in a one-two cash game in vegas but let me ask you guys you guys play tournaments sunny and and and, and spike um i've heard this this stat thrown around that a successful tournament player who plays in those bigger ones a 15 percent cash rate is usually an average success correct me if i'm wrong on that stat but i mean with with playing these daily spike i mean what do you think what are your what would your success rate have to be in that spot half yeah two two thirds maybe of cashing those not two thirds we're up probably close to the half maybe even as low as 40 percent depending on where you are because i know it, it depends too because a lot of those dailies like for me it would have to be half because i am much more likely to when we get down to the final two three four players to just say fuck it let's just chop because at that point, you know, people start squabbling over 20 bucks here and there. And it's just not worth my time to listen to old men squabbling over minuscule amounts of money. I'd rather just chop it even, go home and get on with my life. Mm-hmm. Um, so in that case, I know I'm costing myself money long term because most of the time I'm going to have a skill advantage over those players. Most of the time, if I Unless I'm playing well. Well, the fair. Yeah. Sonny <laughs> would wipe the floor with me, as would Bite King. If uh, I, I don't know Sonny if you know him, but I know that these other two schmucks. Do. I'm kidding. I'm but, kidding. Um, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. No, I, 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 no I, I, I am perfectly willing to say that you are a better player than I am. I'm happy to, to swim in my own pond and feast on those. I'm a dick. That are in there. That's the problem. I'm a jackass when I play. I'm an asshole. That, that's fine. That's why we only play tag team events together. So that way I can be on the same side as you. That's right. Which, by the way, still the funnest event I've ever played. One hundred percent. Next, as soon as they're up and running, we're coming back. We're doing this. Switch. One hundred percent. Absolutely, my favorite event that I've ever played. Um, 
Well, would you say there's zero? Okay, I'm sorry. I know you had a point you were finishing there. I'll ask no, you the question it, after. It's fine. I, I'm just saying, like, for those kinds of tournaments, yeah, I'd say 40 to 50%, um, especially in the dailies, because the rake is so high, you just have to be hitting them constantly over and over and over again in order to make up for that rake, for what you're losing and all that. But especially that because, you know, a lot of them with the buy-ins are so small, you're losing a lot to rake. You're not really cashing all that much. Even if you win the thing, you're probably only getting three or four times your buy-in. So it's not like you're really cleaning up when you win one of these things outright. And that's what I was going to say is it's, it's got to be, uh, you know, it, it, in a, as a poker player who would take the route of being a professional or playing for a living, that's got to be the last option is playing daily tournaments. Oh, I, see, I see people that do that. And it's just amazing because, you know, when I was working, I see these people who, who continuously I'm, I'm giving them the paper to sign. And I'm like, and I'm like, you know, what do you do? It's like, this is what I do. And I'm like, how? Yeah. I, I think there's a certain breed of player that can do it. I, I think for the tournaments that are a little bit bigger, even it's starting at like the $130 price point. Like those Caesars Palace in. daily ones. Like the Caesars Palace, I think for the daily ones, you're stepping up your yeah, level yeah. of buy-in. Like they or the Orleans is another one that has a lower rake, big guarantees, huge player pools. So that way, if you hit one of those every other month, you're probably good. Yeah, but those guys but are again, like, you, yeah, you that's, brought... that's, that's that's the shark tank you're going to play. That, in that, there, I, 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 I want to be very that. I want to be very clear to anybody listening to this episode. Yeah, that, that is what a, Spike you... just said there about the Orleans. Let's not all start thinking the Orleans is some daily poker tournament safe haven. No, no, no. That's but a I place mean, you want to be very careful about sitting down at a table. It's also, everybody else who sits know, there has been kicked out of every other casino. Well, that, that's fair too. But, but it's also one of those where, you know, you buy in at seven o'clock, the money bubble might not burst till three or four in the morning on those. And that's the huge thing. Again, you know, that time investment, I can spend $60 on a three hour tournament. I can spend $120 now get two tournaments, two shots at cashing. And I've only invested six hours. You just talked about it. $125 that Friday night tournament's wildly popular, but you're not, you're not popping the bubble till two thirty, three o'clock in the morning. I mean, you may yeah. spend 12 hours of the tournament, for the same price you could have bought two of those dailies on the strip. It's, it's time investment. I think that's the biggest key is, is I'm going to pay more rake here, but do I really want, I mean, I've played the Aria. I, I, you know, everybody loves the Aria, the daily it's eight hours long, give or take seven, eight hours long. I'm bored within four, you know, I just, I spent $125 and then and I'm, I'm amped up. I'm jazz first, you know, five, six levels, you get that break, you come back and all of a sudden you're like, I don't know. It's not, it's, it may just be me. And I know that there's a couple of people who think like me that switch just flips. I'm like, I'm bored. But I think too, it's, and I could be wrong and I don't want to put words in any of your mouths. Is it because maybe you guys are playing a little too many no limit hold'em daily tournaments? That's the, and, and I find this too, as my, for myself, at least of all the poker games of all of them, the game I hate playing. And I've openly said this on the show before. The game I hate playing is No Limit Hold'em, which, which is kind of baffling because it's the game everybody kind of knows me for. It's the game I've probably had the most success at, but it's the game I hate playing. I, if I never played No Limit Hold'em again, I'd be a happy person. And I've actually got, Jess and I have even talked about this. Like if I had come down for this past summer, like let's say COVID hadn't happened, we had actually already run it where I was going to come down for like two week periods go down there, come back up here, go back down there and avoid playing No Limit Hold'em. I was going to come for the draw games. I was going to come for the stud games. I was going to come for the PLO games. And that was that. Fuck this Hold'em shit. 
And I think that's where it becomes. I think the problem is structurally, No Limit Hold'em is kind of a shit game. And I think that's where the boredom kicks in, is that you're like, fuck me, man. I spend all my time hoping to get, at a certain point in No Limit Hold'em, there's an all-in moment. There's a point when you look at your chips, you look at the blinds and you're like, fuck it. It's shit or get off the can here. And I think whereas with the other games, there's a little bit more problem solving involved in the stud variants, right? Like you look at stud high low, it has one of the most interesting strategy components because if you look at the really, really good stud high low players, like you look at like a John Hennigan, you look at a Michael Mizraki, you look at a, fuck, you look at a Phil Ivey. And I know people can say what they want about Phil Ivey. In my opinion, he's still the GOAT. Um, you look at what they do. They have a very interesting problem solving. So when it comes to stud high low, for instance, it's a complete inverse logic. Start with the low and work your way to the high. In, yeah, in, in Omaha high, high low. So if you're playing the split high low games. So if you're playing the stud high low Omaha high low events, it's funny because after six hands, after eight hands, you've got to switch it up. And in Omaha high low, it's a very different strategy. It's not start with the low. If you start with the low, you're going home. I remember Anthony told me that. He said that he says, I'll tell you what. He's like, the reason why you're fucking up so much Omaha low is because you're playing it like you play stud high low. Worry about scoops, worry about putting your cards to work, and then the rest will fall in place, which is funny because I'm like, huh. And then I started implementing that strategy. I was like, okay, this actually works now. All right, cool. The draw games, all different. Deuce to seven single draw is a very different game from deuce to seven triple draw. Oh, absolutely. I mean, you're, you're like talking a difference between Mercury and uh, Neptune at that point. You know, you're talk, you know, you look at ace to five versus deuce to seven. You what look at the comparison. Pardon me? What a strange comparison with Mercury and Neptune. Sorry. <laughs> but you know what uh, I, I mean? mean like, uh, you, you are. I mean, it's a, it's a similar size, but they're on opposite sides of the universe. But you know, night I think and day would have worked too. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I, I've been more into uh, astrology lately, so. Oh my god! But but you know what I'm saying though. I think that that becomes a big part of it too. Is I think a lot of poker players aren't poker players. They play a game, and they might not even play that game. That's well. why a lot of people who are really good in math can jump into this. You know, right. jump into a card game, and, and you know. It, it, Let's circle all the way back here. You, you talk about because we're only playing Hold'em, and and maybe this is a weakness of Vegas, and and maybe where it's fallen behind compared to other places in the country or even the world, is that's pretty much all you find here. It's very rare. I mean, there's a couple places that'll, you know, like the Orleans will have those those kind of things, but you know, some people just won't set foot in there. So unfortunately, they've cut off their nose in that spot. Um, you know, I, I, there was one day I had a long day at work and somebody asked me, it was like the middle of September, I think during football season. I'm like, Hey, you know, they're like, Hey, where can you, where can I find a stud game? I'm like, yeah, in 1994, like, <laughs> I, I was being facetious, but I mean, I'm like, dude, you can't find I mean, stud. You're actually here. kind of being right. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's just, you know, I don't know if it's, uh, and I've seen it even in, in, in the, and this is a behind the scenes kind of thing. You know, I've, I've gone to a few auditions and, and done a few auditions and basically it's, it's, Hey, deal one hand to hold them and deal one hand to Omaha and you get the job. That's just, it's, it's because that's what everybody who comes to Vegas seems to just be interested mm -hmm. in. And, and you're, you're catering to a clientele, mm -hmm. that that's what they want. And, and unless it's the series, you just really can't find that stuff. The places no. that used to have it, Binion's, 
doesn't exist anymore. The Orleans, again, half the clientele in Vegas don't want to set foot in there. Mm-hmm. So you're really at a limited option. And like you said, you talked about 510 at the Bellagio and playing some of the games up there. I've, I've sat in some of those games. And, you know, when nine players at the table all know each other, you're the target. So you yeah. get out of oh, 100%. You figure out in 15 minutes to get the fuck out of that, that yeah. game. 100%. If they all have their YouTube fucking cameras running, I know to go running. I know, <laughs> I, I know I'm fucking done. Like, yeah. I know I'm done with that kind of crap. But I think that that kind of becomes the problem too. So it's, a, you know, as we said there, but I, I think going back to the tournament thing that Spike was talking about, about how, you know, why he gets drawn to it. And, and you, Aaron, had said something about, well, you know, the profitability and this and that. I think what makes it hard for a player like Spike, for myself, for other kind of more serious, for lack of a better term, of the daily tournament players is that we're not there for an experience. We're not there for a story. I could give a shit about the story. I don't, I, I refuse to learn anybody at my table's names. I'm not there for that. I plug in my AirPods or whatever headphones I have and I sit there. I plug in my iPhone so it doesn't run out of battery and I sit there and I play because my goal is I look at how many people are getting paid and that's where I'm getting I look at it as how am I going to navigate this field of semi-pros, of sharks, of drunks, of amateurs, of people who think they're better than they are to get to fourth place or better, to get to fifth place or better, to get to third place or better. How am I going to do that? And I think that's kind of the difference too, is that, as you said, there's a variance in player, right? You have people there that are like, fuck it. I got 60 bucks. I'm going to go play the daily at the Excalibur. Good for you. I'm never going to begrudge those people. I'm never going to hate on them. I love those people, but that's not me. And I think that's where it becomes a little different. That's where it can be frustrating that as Spike said, I went through a three month period. Do you think those people remember cashing in a tournament? They, if they have, they remember it because it's the one time. They're like, hey, remember that time at Luxor when I won a tournament? Ah. <laughs> Luxor. Jeez. But can, you know I, can, can I play devil's advocate to that, though? Sure. Don't you feel like as a person whose main goal is to achieve success via obviously getting paid out in cash, don't you, don't you feel kind of an obligation to make sure that those people that you're playing against who want the story, you know, have a good time and continue to come back? Absolutely. Absolutely. So they get putting the in your AirPods and, 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 you know, they're like, Hey, I had this little, this, this little prick next to me. Wouldn't I, Hey, what's your name? And he wouldn't even talk to me. That's their Did story. We, the, That's their story. They okay. got their story. They got the story. Who's okay. the fucking asshole who showed up in the AirPods and put a fucking beating on us. But I feel like that recreational player is less likely to give you chips than he is with the guy Spike telling jokes at the table. And he, he's not going to have a choice. I'm going to come hunting for those chips. I'm going to take okay. them. So Whether he's two different schools of thought. Because I've, right. I've seen Spike play at a table, and he's telling them jokes, and he has a little car protector that has a story about it. It's, it's, you know, it has a little interesting story about it. and he's, I've he's had to social. play in tournaments with this card protector, for God's sake. That is true. Okay, fair enough. I forgot and about that. And then they that, expect yeah. me to tell the story. That's the worst part, is then they're like, hey, can you, what's the story behind your card protector? I'm like, what the fuck is this? Like, why is this yeah, even it's, here? It's pretty weird and funny, but, but my point is, it's, it's, it's two different schools of thought, is what I'm right. saying. You have a more hard-nosed approach to it we call you the mr headphones because that's yeah. we have a lot of them here who sit and yeah. play on their ipad and don't associate with it or don't you know 
yeah. you know, talk with anybody. And then you have a person like I've seen Spike. I've seen Spike do both. I've seen Spike put in his headphones before too. But I, I, I generally, I generally look at him as a person, uh, you know, who who's friendly with the table and, and shoots the breeze. Yeah. So I, I've seen both approaches, and I've seen you also both be successful in those approaches. So yeah. I just wonder. Sometimes I just wonder, and like I said, going back to tapping the tank, you know, a shark tapping the tank on a fish. Do we, you know, in a, in a, in a, in a situation where, you know, do we want those kind of players to, to become turned off by recreational poker, you know, which is, I'm not saying one method's better than the other. It's just, in my opinion, if I'm a recreational player, I prefer Spike's method of, of interacting in a tournament with me. I, I feel yeah. like, I, I don't know. It's just, just a thought. No, you're, you're right. And I, I will say that I do kind of mix it up. Like on the strip, especially late night, like, you know, the 10, 11 PMs, the midnight tournaments where everybody's drunk, having a good time. And like, I, I may not even put my headphones on that night. I'll just sit there and shoot the shit and have fun, joke around and everything else. But like for a while there, uh, back last fall, I was playing a lot at Samstown and I don't care about any of those people. I saw the same people over and over and over again. You know, I know I, Taurus I, is going to Samstown. You're right. That's exactly. probably a better like, Well, they had a couple like people that were there for like NASCAR or something because I guess it was easier to get to whatever. It doesn't matter. Okay. Uh, but for the most part, like I was me, I was acting more like Sonny where, and for me, it was about like, I wanted to make my own experience. I wanted to do something weird. So if you haven't been to Sam's, like Samstown is nicer than it gets credit for. It's still a dump, but it's nicer than it gets credit for. But I always thought it was fun to go in there with like my expensive Bluetooth wireless headphones, crank out a, a list of uh, a playlist of all classical music from yeah. Spotify and just listen to classical music in a dingy shit casino with all these old men complaining about ulcers and other medical conditions while they're trying to figure out how they can best slow play aces preflop. Yeah. Like that's my experience. And I, enjoy doing that to the point where and then i just go and run over the table because you know i was the quiet guy i kind of looked like a try hard but they still didn't know how to play so it was just it was easy for me to play that game but yeah for the most part like if i'm on the strip then i'm yeah I, I, like aaron said i'm joking and laughing doing everything else see i almost feel bad i almost feel worse when i'm too nice like and and tokens watched me do it where i almost feel like i'm shepherding them like I'm shepherding their ships, their chips. Leading over them to, to slaughter. Yeah. yeah. Like I feel, they, but the, no, there are some times. Sorry. Like, and tokens <laughs> watched me where I'm walking them through bad decision after bad decision after bad decision. And I'm just raking their chips over and I'm happy to tell stories. I forgot, you know, for somebody who's unfriendly at the table, I have giveaways. I give away, po I give away uh, guitar picks when I play. So yeah, you do. I give away souvenirs, so you get a you get a souvenir and a story. And well, then you can't say you're the you're the, you're the, the you can't say you're the quiet type because you just debunked that theory. But I mean, even when I'm quiet, though, I give away. Like even I'll I'll be plugged in, but I'll still give away. Like as a player gets eliminated, I'll be like, here you go. And every so often, I'll take off the headphones. I'll be like, hey guys, you know, here's you know some freebies for you. See, Whatever. I would hate that. I would hate, you don't talk to me the whole day and then you give me a guitar pick. That's yeah, and then uh, that comes out weird to me. I, that's like. <laughs> I don't know. That's that's a weird one to make. It is. It, it, it fucks with it, people. It, it, it fucks with people. It fucks. With people. It's like giving them the that, finger, not Yeah, yeah. yeah. You know, so that's what I'm saying. So, parting gift. Yeah. So when I'm being too nice at the table, I almost feel bad about it because I'm like, fuck. What? Like, 
you can here's a pick go pluck yourself <laughs> kind of like here go take up go take up an instrument because that's better suited to you than this uh, like that's kind of like it, it sounds horrible but i throw but, it back at you not even gonna lie i throw it back at you. fuck i'm waiting for someone to, i think people should i think people should you lose a pot you get a pick yeah and how many and 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 don't even say i go through like i'll pull up bags of picks like i'll pull out oh, a little sandwich baggie of picks and you, be like you probably each trip down you probably bring around a thousand of them yeah and i just give them out and here you go and it, it becomes my thing and it, it's because I, I i know what it is i know what a daily poker tournament is for most people and you know what they're there first you're right they're there for a story they're there for an experience because they're like hey wait a second i could take my 60 bucks or my 70 bucks and lose it in 10 minutes playing blackjack or i can come here and have a couple of hours of playing poker you know the wife's out with the kid you know whatever i get to come here and play poker fuck yeah so i, I get, get it. three times the beverage service too exactly exactly i get it i just know for me when i sit down to play a daily poker tournament no matter what the buy-in is no matter where the place is I know what my goal is. Like I, I know very clear and I know no matter what state I show up in, what my goal is. And I think, you know, and I, and I, and, and there are other players like that. And, and don't get me wrong. I, I just, I think it's, it's exactly that. It's, it's the mindset. It's, it's knowing what you're going after, but I kind of want to veer this conversation a little bit um, into uh, kind of the current state of poker. Like what is live poker right now? Like it's non-existent up here. We don't have live poker in Canada. It's, there's nowhere. Calgary doesn't have it. Vancouver doesn't have it. Montreal doesn't have it. Winnipeg doesn't have it. And those are the, ba- those are the biggest markets. And, we, and it, it just doesn't exist. Well, I'm probably not the right guy to, to touch on this because I, I was laid off March 14th, uh, 2020, and I haven't been inside of a poker room since. Wow. I know that it exists right now, and I know that some rooms run five-handed, some rooms run six-handed, some rooms run seven-handed, some rooms run eight-handed. Eight-handed. Uh, over in Florida, they're running full spread, full ring games. No. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Yeah. yeah, with plexiglass dividers. Oh, that's so you, that's you, nice. That's that's you, awful. You kind of have your own little. You're in your you almost, bubble. You're in your box. You look like you're making a prison call, like with an inmate. I mean, it's <laughs> it's. I don't even know how to say it. I mean, part the the the, the part of the introvert in me kind of loves the fact that I have my own little space because, as a, as a person who hates playing ten handed because I'm a bigger guy. You know, obviously we've gone now down to eight. That's obviously more space. Now I have dedicated space. Like this is the end of my space. No one can infringe that because of one, the COVID and two, the plexiglass dividers right there. So I don't, I mean, just theoretically, I, again, I haven't sat down in a poker game. I don't hate it. Um, I hate the whole nature of it, but that's, that's, you know, unfortunately that's the time we're in right now. And we've got to go through this until, Whoever is in charge uh, says we don't have to anymore. Um, but as far as what the state of live poker is, I, I you know, I can't speak on that. I, I'm, I'd be intrigued. Actually, you probably got me intrigued maybe this weekend to check out actually sitting down at a game. I think Bellagio's eight-handed. I believe Venetian is eight-handed with these. these Red Rock's eight-handed. Okay, so there you go. Red Rock's eight-handed as well. Um, so, again, I can only imagine. I've seen the pictures of it. I mean – You've got, you know, if I'm sitting at the table right here, the plexiglass is probably, you know, right here above an average person's head. And I mean, again, like I said, you look like you're about to make a prison, you know, a call to the inmate sitting across mm-hmm. from you. But um, I don't know. I, 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 
I don't know what food service is like. I don't know what beverage service is like. I feel like all that is just easy transmitters of COVID. So I don't know if that's been reduced mm -hmm. or eliminated. Um, Token, I don't know if you've played. Spike, I don't know if you've played. Again, you guys might have more insight on this than I do. I have almost exactly as much insight as you do, and that's not much at all. So I can tell you what the golf courses are like. Yeah, uh, like yeah they're, empty they're, they're pretty standard, Every but they have a foam thing on the bottom of the cup to <laughs> yeah. um, miss putts. It's definitely, you can get it, you're pretty much open tee times now, except for if you want to play like Fridays and Saturdays. Every other day is wide yeah. open. But, but yeah, Spike, yeah, have you played? I mean, it... no, I, no, well, I, I have not played golf. No, I haven't played poker since the shutdown, but uh, my bike king, uh, who I used to do a podcast with, uh, he lives in San Diego now, but he comes out to Vegas probably once or twice a month since they've reopened and started playing again. And he's back at the dailies. And he says like, you know, South Point 10 a.m., you know, which is a local reg fest anyway, is getting over 100 runners every time. Even the afternoon and the night ones, they're getting good numbers. And he'll play, uh, you know, he'll, he'll kind of go between there and the Caesars dailies that you were talking about, Sonny that uh you know he's playing there too and they're still getting you know 20 30 40 people which you know some of them you know especially the late night ones they weren't they were getting that about right when they were shutting down too mm. so it, it's That's good though. i like to hear that there's a bit of a healthy ecosystem i think the see the hard part for me is this and i think i mean because i have to cross a border coming down there mm. isn't so much being down there Fuck, it, I need my passport. It's, I don't know why idea. I just thought of that. You just reminded me that I, I have no idea where my passport is. And it's you inspired. do. Um, all of you, make sure your passports are in line. Um, but anyway, it's uh, like for us, we're kind of trapped because see, like our like none of our travel insurance would cover going down to the States right now. Hmm. So whilst I'm never opposed to catching a cold, because I know every summer I do. Every summer I'm down there, your body just gets beaten up. Everybody's on fucking, like, everybody's sick. I mean, half of those players that are playing every tournament at the WSOP, like, do you, I don't know if you guys followed or not, did you guys see how sick Sean Deeb was last year in Rosvedov just trying to win player of the year? Like, the guy looked like death. I mean, it, 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 it's a lot to do with the different environment as well as a lot of the lack of sleep. Yeah. And even when you're trying to get some sleep, you're probably not going to sleep good because you're mentally just still Fucking kicking. 100%. And so, I mean, I I've come to accept that. I just don't want to be badly sick and not, and, and get stuck with a bill firstly. Secondly, now with baby boy on the way. <laughs> you don't know about hospital bills in America. Fuck, man. <laughs> Fuck. I am, that, that terrifies me, I think, more than anything. And then with baby boy on the way, there kind of becomes a point of no return where my window to have come down pre-baby boy disappears. And I think that's, that's been the hardest adjustment is forgetting the other stuff. It's been that idea of like, well, wait a second, that window went from here and then it's, it's close, you know, it's been shrinking. And I think, you know, in the times of COVID, that's kind of been the hardest adjustment for all of us up here. I mean, don't think for one second, Jess wouldn't have loved to have come down and, and hung out. I, I mean, I would have loved to have come down and played, Hey, you know, just hung out, whatever. I think that's the, 
in a way, as we talk about this, it's nice that we have Zoom now that we can do these things. We can all see each other and whatnot. But there's something to being in your friend's company that I think has gone understated and underappreciated that I think now with COVID, people are like, fuck, it would be nice to just be in someone's company. It'd be nice to go, it'd be nice to go to that barbecue place at Red Rock and fucking mm-hmm. play credit card roulette at the end of the meal. It would be nice Look to do that. Seals. Yeah. It's been some good, yeah. yeah. Some good times. I, I don't. Yeah. I don't think I ever. I don't think I ever win that one. I feel like I've lost like two or three in a row from that. I, I'm always willing to eat there because I never. My card's always like the first one eliminated. I'm like, <laughs> think, fuck it. I think fuck I've lost. Yeah. Right, yeah. Fuck yeah, I'm willing to. Even the one time I've ever gotten stuck with the bill, it wasn't even my card. It was fucking tokens, and I was like, you know what? I want those yeah. points, so I'll I'll grab this one for you. I mean, and, uh, to answer that or to kind of touch on that, and I'll let you get back. Uh, as a person who benefits from people coming to this state, i.e. getting my job back and working, mm-hmm. um, despite that, I think you would have been thoroughly disappointed. Even though that live poker exists here, I think you might have been, dis- you might have been disappointed by the state of it. I mean, it's, it's existing, and, you know, and, and it's such a limited capacity. But I think the problem right now is that there are, I believe this, I don't know this number for sure, but I believe there are 26 states that have a quote unquote travel ban that mm-hmm. if you come to our state and then go back to your state, you are mandatory quarantine. Yeah. So I think that's, what's really hurting. Cause I'm sure there's a lot of people who live in those States, just based on the fact of what I see, the amount of people coming now, I'm sure there's people in those States that have that travel ban. Again, I don't know if it's not considered a ban, but if that was lifted somehow or removed, I think Vegas could really get rolling again. Mm-hmm. Now I think a lot of people can deal with the plexiglass cause there's not a, I can't say there's some Karens out there, but I'd say 90% of the people that go anywhere know that just normal is not, is normal is new. Normal is something completely different. Like, you know, there's plexiglass here. There's, you know, Sani wipes on every corner at the grocery store. There's, you know, glass dividers between you and the cash, you know, the clerk at the grocery store. Like there's something about your life and everywhere you go that is different now. You have to wear a mask. That's the big one. I think a lot of people who are itching or dying to come to Vegas who live in those states would be completely fine. And I think you're like, you know, like you said, like I just said, you may be a little disappointed in the, in the experience right here, but if that ban was lifted, I think, I think, I think, I think Anthony would be working again too. I think, I think we'd all be working again. But that's not something that governor Sisolak can go out to all his other governors and say, dude, you gotta, you gotta chill with this. I mean, he, he could ask, he could request, but he can't demand or he can't lift them himself. Um, I mean, we'd all, I think we'd all like to see him, you know, take a step in that direction, but I understand, you know, that there's a lot of people that are still scared of this virus and it's, that's, you know, without getting too political, we gotta, we gotta do, we've gotta move on at some point. We've already missed the, the, the ball on like what you said in the beginning of the podcast, we've already missed the, the, the ship has sailed on quarantining everyone for three weeks to a month, shutting down, you know, an entire world. That ship has sailed. We've all moved on. You've, you've pissed off. I mean, Italians were getting pissed off, dude. I mean, they, they had it way worse than we did. Yeah. Wasn't so, it like Spain or somewhere that refused? Or there's parts of Europe that just refused. They were like, we're going to ride this out. Fuck that. I know Finland. Is it Finland or Sweden? Norway. Sweden? Yeah. Sweden just completely, I mean, other than some social distancing guidelines, they were like, fuck it. We're, we're going to do it. And their numbers were realistically no different than any other parts of the country. Um, they had a, 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 an uptick just like everybody else did, but they, you know, and again, this is the, this is the classic, it's, 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 it's just the flu. It's not just the flu, but it's, 
I mean, to, to a lot of people our age, we're going to get over it. I still maintain that I had it. So uh, again, the ship has sailed on quarantining the world. So now, now when do we get to be normal, our version of normal again? And Vegas will hurt, continue to hurt as long as the, we can't get back to any semblance of that normalism. Yeah. No, it's, it's, a, it's a sad time. It's, it's a very challenging time because, I mean, even when I think about it and I think about going across Canada now, like to be perfectly honest, to let you guys in, there was some moments there about May-ish when the weather wasn't as good as it should have been here. I had been locked up in the house over a month. We had done the grocery store pickups and we were lucky. So we actually got free grocery pickups here for the first little while. So any store that had a typical kind of curbside pickup charge, it was all waived. They didn't want people coming in the stores. And so my human interaction was zero. And let me tell you, stepping out and going into a grocery store the first time, like I have never felt that level of anxiety. And I'm not typically an expert. I mean, I come down to Vegas how often, right? Where I, you have people hacking and you see things, you see dirty behaviors, you know, you're probably going to get sick. And here I was crippled by this. I was crippled by this sensation of, I don't know that I want to be around people right now. I don't know that I'm in for this yet. And I mean, I forced myself, you know, I forced myself to go and um, go to the grocery store, go to the liquor store, you know, just be out. I wouldn't even go to the park. And I mean, there's a lot of people that are still there. Like, and I think too, the problem is there's almost been because there's, there's so much, there's so much attention spent on people that are like, fuck the mask, fuck this. We need to be this, that we're forgetting that there's, there's a very reasonable fear right now because Unlike the common cold, right? Like, you know, when you have the common cold or the seasonal cold, you're, you see someone else get it and you're like, fuck, that looks like ass, but all right, I'm down for a couple of days. Nobody knows what COVID-19 looks like. You know, like the four of us hypothetically could get it and all four of us are going to have dramatically different experiences with it. And I think that's where the fear and uncertainty comes from. I mean, you know, you don't know what underlying condition someone has that could trigger it. You don't know what medication someone's on that could trigger it. And I think that's the forgotten part about all of this is it's very easy in a sense to start looking at, oh, we need to move on. But I think it's now establishing because it's become such a mess that reintroducing people, that telling people, yeah, it's okay to be fucking scared. It's okay to not want someone guess, coughing in your face. And I'm not saying you guys are advocating against that. I'm just saying like, there's a forgotten per- portion of the population that is still in March. Okay, but here, let me ask you this. If whoever you trust, news outlets, government, media, wherever, tells you that like the common cold, this is here. Right. You're going you're gonna to sit in March for the rest of your life? No, I'm not. But what I'm saying is there are people I mean, who these are. people, and that's fine. And, and I, Godspeed to them. 
Yeah. I mean, you know, if that's the, the route you've chosen to take with your life, and if you fear this virus enough, I have no issue with that. Again, mm-hmm. there's ways to make it. So you really rarely ever interact with somebody in your life 100%. anymore. 100%. If, you have, if you don't have to. 100%. So for that person to demand that the rest of us right. op- operate to your need right. that's, seems that's unnecessary. What I was getting at. Yes. I'm that's sorry, what I didn't I was, mean to jump on your toe. No, that's what I was getting at. And I'm happy you said it. Is that's exactly it. There isn't en- enough. Well, let me denounce the, the fuck the mask people. I, I, I don't love the mask either. But if, if that's what it takes for things to get back to normal, I will jump on board. I don't, I don't. If wearing don't a mask, mask meant you got to go to work tomorrow, you'd do it. But yes, tell but me going, you wouldn't. trying to go viral as a, as a Karen to, 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 yeah. to, to, to just, to just, I have seen, you know, videos of people getting thrown out of casinos, grocery stores, and it's this viral nature trying to be that person, uh, you, you know, is, is ridiculous as well. So the most of us who fall moderately in between there, between the healthy fear and between the, you know, the government can't take away my rights, you know, to mm-hmm. not wear a mask, you know, it's unfortunate. We're getting, these are the two stories we're getting and we all fall right here. Yeah. And, we're the ones who have to, you know, kind well, of deal with the and fallout. I think that's exactly it. But that's what I was getting at is there isn't enough done to those people that are so radically afraid. There isn't enough to guide them to kind of a place of sanity where they feel better about it, where they're like, Hey, wait a second. You know, if I wear the mask, if I do these things, there has to be more of that now, because as you said, I think that's, I do see that as the future. I think for the foreseeable future, COVID 19s here. And as of right now, I think we're in the 3% of people die. Like, I could be wrong, but when I look 3% at. 3% of cases or 3% of the population? 3% of cases. Okay. Um, and that's of the people that are going and getting tested. How many people just feel kind of lousy and haven't gotten tested? That's I, part I of it. I think I had it in January. I've never been tested for the antibodies or the, or the test. Right. I'm not saying I had it. I'm just saying I felt the way that these people are saying that they feel now, I felt like that in January. And, you know, right before the government shut down everything, Desiree and I, my fiance and I, we're, we were in New York city on vacation. Yeah. We were in I remember that. Zero. Yeah. I mean, and we felt fine. I don't know if maybe now there's the theory of I had it in January. So now I had antibodies from it. I don't know, but you know, like I said, the only thing I did during that whole thing was probably one of the most available socially distancing thing you could do. And that's play golf. Yeah. Because I, I, if I, I'm like you, once they, sh- they shut down golf here for two weeks and I went crazy. I went nuts. Yeah. I couldn't you had no it. outlet. You had nothing you could do. You're stuck in I that. I could only play so much PlayStation and watch so much YouTube and Netflix. And it just, you lose perception, eventually. I think, on reality. Like Spike, I don't know how often you guys get out in your house. But I mean, I'm sure there's, there's been some days where you lose the day. I know I'm at a state now where I've lost weeks. Don't ask, like, if I didn't have this time set with you guys, trust me, I wouldn't have known today was Wednesday. I would have just- I think the job's got to help you, Spike. Yeah, the, the job definitely helps me. It helps the wife. We also, you know, we have a dog. He's about two, two and a half years old at this point. And three days a week, we try to take him into like a doggy day camp so he can get with other dogs and run around and all that, mm-hmm. uh, you know, helps with socialization. Plus, you know, it's way too hot to take him to an outdoor park. So that's just out of the question. Um, so, you know, we, and we try to keep that on a Monday, Wednesday, Friday schedule. So that does help. But I mean, I, I actually, the other day at work, like we have a group chat where it's a Gmail 
work area like we paid for the professional whatever mm -hmm. so we have a g chat thread and on the thread i said god damn this week is dragging i can't believe it's only wednesday and it was tuesday mm -hmm. <laughs> so you know it was one of those things where i just kind of had to say yeah yeah i lost today and you know it, it does happen where it but the weird thing is it's like you lose days, days seem to drag, and then all of a sudden you blink and it's three months later and you have no idea where the time went or how you spent it or what you did that was worthwhile because you're just doing the same thing over and over again. Fuck, dude, I have a kid coming in three months. Like, let's put this yeah, into do. perspective. Better yet, two yeah, months, do. almost two months. Like, let's put that yeah. into perspective. When this Our all- Our next door neighbor, our, our next door, sorry to cut you off, but our next door neighbor actually, she has- a five-year-old twin three-year-olds or i may have those ages wrong but they're young kids already had three and she gave birth in may yeah so wow. that's i mean it's just like these households like i don't know how you're gonna do it with one i sure as shit don't know how they did it with four well like, i i just i don't more power to you be brutal, I mean. well yeah. i think too the just idea put an is invisible fence up with the shot collar on your kid well, I think, but, but where I'm going with that is time perspective. I'm closer to the delivery date than I am to finding out she was pregnant. Where the fuck has that time gone? I've spent it at home doing this. That's what everybody's been doing. That's what you guys have been doing. Yeah, you go golfing. I go and I, and I cook, but that's what it is. I spent it doing this. I've watched the better part of six months, seven months doing this. That's reality for yeah, people. Yeah, and that's it. And everybody can kind of have their own story with that too, because I think I think we've also probably focused more on the podcast, mm -hmm. uh, doing that as well too, because we used to do it once a week, and now we're doing it two, sometimes three times a week. Yeah. Um, you know, I've actively tried to get you know endorsements to most of it affiliate, but you know to try to maybe make a little money on the podcast. You know, so. I'd like to make, you know, a, a spot where we can all maybe start having this as a side income, as we talked about earlier in the podcast, you know, it's not affecting my other job because there is no other job right now. So, yeah. <laughs> this is the job. This is it. Yeah. This is it. So Tune in and listen to us talk. But there's been days where, yeah, I mean, this is the worst part is when you turn on something on Netflix, you do this. And then all of a sudden you look up and it goes, are you still watching? I'm like, God damn, I just wasted three hours. You know, yeah. I could have done anything in the world. You know, I could have done anything. Well, not in the world, anything in my house. You know, the first, I'd say the first two months, Des and I were super productive. We, we put shelves up in our garage. Uh, mm -hmm. we, 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 you know, decluttered. We packed up some things. We put them on those shelves. We, you know, pressure washed the house. We've done mm -hmm. so many things to improve. But then as time dragged on, and this is where I go back to this quarantine, and this is kind of my main my main beef with it is, is, is not only, we're not really in quarantine anymore. We, we kind of have our freedoms, but the thing is, it's just, I just don't love, and I know it's a virus. I just don't love the thought of like, we are, we are complying and, and, and that's fine, but we're complying to, you know, an open-ended ending. Yeah. You know, they're like, Hey, do this, do this, do this. Well, when do you think this is going to be over? When do you think yeah. a vaccine? We're very close to a vaccine. Oh, a vaccine could come in 2022. Like make up your fucking mind. Like, yeah. you know, yeah. I, I just, you know, once you start losing the, the public on, you know, Hey, when, when is this going to be, you know, when are we going to do anything close to normal? And they're just in the narrative changes. People are just kind of like, all right, fuck it. You know, mm -hmm. yeah, again, I, if I have to wear a mask when I go everywhere, it's not the worst thing in the world. I don't love it. 
And honestly, there's a lot of times where I'll drive all the way to a, a grocery store or the other day I went to Big Five Sporting Goods and realized I forgot my mask and I had to drive all the way back home. By the time I got home, I'm like, I'm not going back. I'll go another day. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I just want to know, and I don't know, I may, I may be in the minority in this. I just want to know when, when this is all going to just kind of sort itself out. And maybe that's not up to us. Maybe that's up to the discretion of COVID-19. But then I go to the fact of, again, COVID-19, this yeah. might be here forever. Well, the I, common cold's here forever. The flu's here forever. The, 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 the conversation I want to have is with someone, someone that's in the know. So whether it's a government official, whether it's a health official, whatever it is. But the, the I health wanted, officials and the government officials have led us both ways. Well, here's wear the thing. Don't wear I, wanted, I want to have a talk with somebody who trickles down information. I want to have that talk. So not the news. Fuck them. Somebody much higher than that. I would love to have a conversation with them and just have the, and, and look at them and say, tell me what you know. How high can you go that you trust though? I mean, there's people who don't trust the White House, which is fair. I don't need to go to the White House, but I like, but I wouldn't mind talking. For instance, we have a, the chief medical officer. We've now dubbed him for the province, whatever the hell he is. I want to talk to him. Canadian Fauci. Yeah, basically. And well, he's provincial Fauci. Um, the, the national Fauci, she kind of sways back. Like, I don't know. Some days she's really good. Some like Fauci. Some days she's Fauci. Some days she's, she's missing. But that's the point. Like there's the C, you know, you look at the CDC, the CDC has gone back and forth. Well, that's why I say, I want to, I want to have that conversation be like, tell me what you know. Who is that person though? That's the question. Who's the person you can trust? Well, I want to start asking other, well, (laughs) fuck. Find me somebody. I, I, I mean, I don't I'm, know. I don't even know where to begin to look. Yeah, that's, I mean, I, and that's I, half honestly, the problem. Honestly, that's half the problem. Opinion, honestly, in my opinion, you can't trust anybody. You can't. I mean, e- even if you look at prior history back in the 70s in the United States with the CDC and all that, with vaccines and all that, that, that they were asked if it were possible to cause neurological damage, and they said no. And in the records, it says yes but they didn't reveal that information. They got sued because of it. Well, okay. But I mean, I don't want to get into an anti-vaxxing conversation. Well, it's the same. But if you had, if you had to ask about that, like, okay, so if this vaccine becomes available, the COVID vaccine, are you taking it? I am. I have to, like, I couldn't not. I have to. I don't know know yet. I don't know. I have to. I would have to. I'm absolutely not. I have to take it. I'd, I'd have to take it because Spike, not, Spike, he's yeah, gonna. I mean, he'd take it. I can tell. I can look in Spike's eyes and see he'd take it. He'd take I don't it. know. I, I Spike's hard to read because Spike and I. I would Spike say I would. I wouldn't say exponentially differ on political views, and this isn't even a political thing. But I, I sit. I sit on the fence. I don't know. I mean. There, are there some things in my life that might force me to take it and, and kind of quote unquote bend? Well, the that's knee? where I'm at. That's where I'm at. If I was by myself, fuck, I'm not taking that shit. <laughs> fuck no. But, but I have my grandfather. I have very pregnant Jess. We have Littlefoot already. We have the new kid coming. But do us. you, I mean, do you think you're, do you think a vaccine is going to do 100%? keep you out. I mean, people with flu vaccines still get the flu. Right. That is correct. But I would hate to imagine. Oh, he didn't hate that. Oh, here he goes. But I would hate to imagine 
I've gotten the flu with it when I had a flu shot. I've had, I get sick every time I get the flu shot. But well, that's because it injects the flu into it you. I'm talking about afterwards. Um, All right, Spike. He never, Spike never answered the question. I, 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 I'd have to. I'd have to. I, I, I'd feel more guilt knowing the stakeholders I have around me in not getting the vaccine than getting it. That's how I feel about it. I would truly, I'd have to get it. But then what if so, your grandfather went to the grocery store? I'm sorry. Spike, he doesn't. He hasn't left the house. Okay. He wow. like, he's never going, he, he might never leave the house again, to be that's perfectly unfortunate. honest. That's unfortunate. Yeah, that's... He's never going to a mall. He's never going shopping. I'm never going to a mall either. So. He's never going to a shopping mall again. He's never going to a grocery store again. Hell no. We'd be, now, if like, you say, now, if you say a crewing event, that might be a different story. Depends what attendance is. Yeah. He's at a, he's at a very, di- like, it's a, what you guys said. Don't trust anybody. He doesn't trust a single fucking person when it comes to this shit. Yeah. All he knows is that the best thing is, if he's not feeling, if he's feeling fine, he knows that everybody around him, therefore, hasn't made him sick. And that's where he's trusting. And that's so you're that. saying America's not the only country that can't trust in a media sources? 100%. Wow. 100%. Oh, I agree. We're just as bad. We're just as China's we're fucking horrible. China's China, probably they don't even like, let you speak China, out against China's it. China's a whole different animal. China, you can't speak out against it. That's Spike, I, I want to know the answer, though. He's getting it. I'm gonna bet. I'm gonna say he's get it. I'll bet you get. Well, he's gonna go back to this and, and delay the response. He's no, gonna. I, he'll get it. He'd get it. He'd get I, it. I, I'm debating how far back into this conversation I want to go because God damn, there's been some su- stupidities spoken uh, the last <laughs> couple of minutes. But yes, I would be getting the vaccine. I, 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 ah! the, only thing, the the only thing that would stop me and I think a lot of people is the fact that the the, the one manufacturer and the name of the company escapes me right now. Uh, but they got $70 million in federal funding to develop the vaccine. Uh, they now have a vaccine that is going through testing. It has given great results. It's costing about $10 a shot, and they are charging $3,000 per injection. So oh. that is going to stop a lot of people if they have to pay that out of pocket from getting that. And that, you know, if a vaccine is out there, but nobody can afford to take it, then there's no point in having the vaccine. Well, that's like that. Isn't it, it's like not that going asshole? to help the herd immunity and it's not going to help actually curb this thing. Isn't yeah, there the that asshole who had, like, has the cure to cancer, or the cure to AIDS or something, and then charges like a million bucks and has all the patents or You're something? You're talking about that Shkreli guy, right? Yeah, that, yeah, yeah. you know what I'm talking was, about. Yeah. And then uh, even after being taken to court and like being thrown in jail. Was, I think that was it, penicillin it was or something. Insulin or EpiPen. One of the yeah, two. One of those and two. he was just they like, fuck all of like you. Yeah, he's like, fuck all of you. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, it's it's, it's a day. It's a, it's fucking scary. Yeah. All right, you know what, guys? I've got you know what? This is messed up. It's a it's it's almost midnight here, and I've still got a brisket on the smoker. Oh shit! Um, I've been smoking that thing now, going on ten hours. So nice. that, uh, that better be the you best. Got an, you got another three or four. <laughs> yeah, fuck. I know. I'm gonna. Well, <laughs> you know what though? I I I've been smoking that thing at about four hundred degrees. Um, so I don't, I don't have an offset smoker. I, uh, I got a big cauldron, um, style barbecue, um, charcoal barbecue and I kept it all hollow. And, uh, and then what I do is I just build my own wood fires in there, let those fires throw a big fat tree trunk log on there and just, and, and directly smoke food. 
And um, so I, I, I'm pretty sure by the time I take it off after this and then wrap it up, we're uh, going to be good by the morning. I, I'm hoping by the morning it finishes up nicely in the tinfoil. But uh, anyway, um, I think uh, we should probably wrap this up here. I would, I, I thank you guys so much, all of you for coming on the show. I really do. It means the world to me. Um, but uh, I don't want to finish off there. Uh, I'll let each of you guys kind of sign off. Tell me what's going on with you guys. And uh, then we'll go from there. So Spike, you go first. You go oh, first. God. You got the lawyer wife. So you go first. Yeah, you know, the wife and I are fortunate enough in this day and age that uh, neither of us got laid off. Uh, there was talk that I was potentially going to lose the job that I had had for about three weeks at that point, but they decided uh, to go a different route and basically just cut everybody's salary. Well, they call it furloughs, so I basically get an extra unpaid day off for a couple of them every year. So that took care of that. But yeah, for the most part, it is, uh, you know, it, it's been business as usual. And I, I actually like working from home. I have three monitors instead of two. I have a better computer. I have a more comfortable chair. I have a bigger office. I have more stuff. I have my dog. I have my wife and I don't have a 45 minute commute. So I'm and you have happy. your stylish Finland jersey too. Exactly. And I, so I'm happy working from home. You know, they're saying for the foreseeable future, I'm going to push from four now, from now on. <laughs> <laughs> like I'm, I'm good with it. So, you know, and I'm happy to, to talk to you anytime, Sonny. I'm going to have you guys back on. I got to have you guys on regularly. I think we got to make this like a weekly thing. We got to make a, this like a crossover. Absolutely. We do. We do. 100%. 100%. Token, you're next. What's going on with you? What do you want to say? Oh, yeah. I mean, t Token here. Uh, unfortunately, my casino property is open, but my department officially has closed and yeah i mean uh, i kind of saw it coming probably within a month of after not having stuff reopen and all that is going to be a very bleak future and all that i mean i've been applying left and right for some jobs i'm qualified for some um underqualified for and all that keeping my my thoughts going good and all that i've actually lost quite a bit of weight during this you I look good you look fucking slim in the face yeah. man i was looking at your face i'm like fuck yeah, that's I, a sexy man there yeah christine's yeah, the, still the working she, definitely likes it i bet she does uh, no I bet she, no uh, he's not no oh, i'm sorry to i mean that. she she works she works with uh student exchange students and oh so that's that's dried up yeah that's dried up fuck man that's depressing I mean, they, okay they, ta they tell us something get... happy give us give us give us some like stud strategy like what do you what's the worst hand someone starts with in stud that you're like fuck what are you doing and stud i mean <laughs> Just to cheer us up because that was that was like the most depressing two like minutes of the entire fucking podcast. We let Tony talk and he's like, "Yeah, we don't have jobs. Like, I've lost a lot of uh, money. Uh, like, I'm, fuck. I'm, I'm the Yor here. Yeah, I'm the Yor. fuck. All right, tell us something no. happy here, stud. Give us some stud strategy. I mean, if you don't have a eight six in the hole with a a connector. Just toss, toss it. it, toss it, just toss, toss it. it. Unless if you have to bring in and defend yourself with a aggro table, but you know I what? Mean, I'll give you this. 
That is actually some pretty sound advice because I've been I have poker go, so I've been watching that. And Norman Chad was saying one of the things he never understands about Phil Ivy is Phil Ivy's love of seven, eight, nine. And I mean, it's a connected hand. It's got decent amount of possibilities. And yeah, it's his favorite hand in both stud high and stud high low. And it's because there's only two cards that hurt you Kings and Queens. If a King or a Queen doesn't show up on the next street, you're automatically better off. And it, uh, so it was just, it was a weird thing. And I was like, so it's funny that you say having kind of similar there. I'm like, fucking hey, that's good advice. If, if Phil, if it's good enough for Phil Ivy, it's good enough for me. So, uh, all right, Aaron, you got a lot going on. So tell us about what you and Des have been up to. You guys have, I know she has her, uh, Instagram projects. I know you guys have your joint project. You guys have the Vegas squares podcast. Tell us how you're keeping it kind of real through all of this. Yeah, I mean, my day kind of starts with waking up relatively early, playing the market. Then when the market closes, I play golf. Uh, but you're right, uh, Des and I do have a project. We 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 are. I've I've been a little more lax in the quarantine, but she's pretty hardcore into the keto diet. And uh, basically, every month we get sent keto snacks from a bunch of different properties that she reaches out to, and we try them on our Instagram, rate them, etc. It's actually grown since the start of the quarantine. I think we had 150 followers. There's over a thousand now. So um, we're actually getting more looks from companies and hopefully turning that into a money-making endeavor. Obviously, we have the podcast with these two schmucks, uh, Spike and Token Tony, and our golf <laughs> podcasts are with Tony Johnson, who actually bets golf for a living. So it's kind of a, a great insight with him. Oh, really? Yeah. So he's a professional gambler who primarily focuses on uh, golf and, and football, uh, college football. But uh, yeah, we have our podcasts uh, every Wednesday and Saturday. We're a part of the 12 ounce sports right. network. Um, Wednesdays uh, air at 4 PM. Everything's Eastern 4 PM Eastern. And then Saturdays are at 10 PM Eastern. Uh, and then, yeah, I mean, just kind of staying busy. Like I said, you know, Desiree has actually just gotten a job. She started up uh, just recently. So I'm kind of playing the without kids, Mr. Mom role, you know, the, the laundry, <laughs> the cooking dinner, I got dinner, you know, so I've had to kind of, I don't, I don't want to say this is, and I don't want to say shifting traditional values, but Desiree was always the one who kind of did those things, yeah. uh, you know, and she's a better cook than I am. So mostly she just gets chicken and a broccoli that I probably oversteamed. But um, yeah, so it's, it's been a different uh, transition. Uh, I actually, uh, unlike token, uh, am not, I, I know I said the word unemployed, but actually my casino is open, my department is open, and I'm actually the only employee not working right now uh, for reasons I won't get into um basically due to the lack of, of of business basically but uh so it's been a weird situation for me you know I, I have done a little bit of a job search but at the same time you know at any day i could you know I, they, my job that i'm currently employed at could call me and say hey look you know it's time to go hang back out to yeah like, hang like out. come sit here for eight hours you know five days a week so i'm kind of in a weird spot there you know uh, I've, I've looked at a lot of things. I've actually interviewed, uh, for a couple of jobs. I, I shot the moon, shot for the moon. Like Tony did. I, I actually got an interview with a job. I was not close to being qualified for, and I thought it went well, but they unfortunately, at least thankfully called me to let me know they had declined. Uh, you know, in today's day and age, you don't even really hear back from people. So you, I figure you, most of these places, if you don't hear back within five days, they've just forgotten about you. Mm. But, um, yeah, I took a shot with that one. It was fun. It's like when I was in college, dude, I knew my grades weren't going to get into Harvard, but I applied for both Harvard and Yale. That's like, you know what? <laughs> you never know. 
I had planned for both of them, knowing full well I wasn't getting into them. But I shot them. Yeah, you shoot for the moon. Never know. You might land amongst the stars. Hey, hey. It, crazier things have happened. Crazier things have happened. So, to wrap it up, though, with these guys, I love doing podcasts with these guys. Um, if you want to check us out, our, our webpage is lvsquares.com. And our Twitter handle is at Vegas Squares. So, uh, you know, give us a follow. Subscribe to our YouTube channel. We're going to try to get that really going because, uh, you know, like you said, you can never have too many revenue streams. No, I think that's what I'm going to tap into next. That's why. So you guys will be the first video podcast I've done because it seems like that, like as much as, I mean, if you want to be a traditional podcast, you want to be on like Apple or Spotify and stuff. It does seem like the YouTube stream seems to be almost the, the, for lack of a better term, clearest path to knowing whether you have something monetizable or not. And I think it's because there's a, there's a very simple kind of formula and stuff when you're on Apple or whatever. Yeah. You get your numbers, you know, how many subscribers you have and whatnot, but in a way it's a little bit hard. I have at least found mm-hmm. it's a little harder to go to people and, and be like, Hey, by the way, check us out. And I mean, especially for me, like you guys have a very specific podcast. You guys talk about fucking sports and I've taught you, I've plugged you guys many time on my show. As I always say, sports talk by sports fans for sports fans. Um, and I think that's probably the, a very accurate way of describing what you guys do. Um, well, we had the, uh, we had the gambling aspect from being here from Vegas and, and I'm very excited because the NFL is starting up soon. We actually run a very non-traditional contest between the three of us, uh, for, we bet in, amongst each other and, uh, Spike unfortunately swept the board last year, <laughs> but, uh, his trophy his trophy and his reign will be short-lived. I'm well, I remember, I remember, I remember oh, being out there for one of those and I had to make the outrageous pick. Celebrity picks, yeah. I think oh, the nice. Outrageous yeah. pick of the week or whatever it was. And I said, Aaron Rodgers <laughs> calls it quits. He's just, Bold prediction. Yeah. Bold prediction. <laughs> yeah. I was like, Aaron Rodgers does not finish a game under his own free will. He just walks off. Yeah, that I mean, that I think, would be more likely this year, though. The well, bolder think, one, if you would have said Vontae Davis retires at halftime of the game. Uh, that would have been a good one. Yeah, Andrew Luck decides to hang it up before 30. It just um, happened a year ago. The, I know, like, to right? the day, I think. I think so, where he just decided, fuck yeah. it. It's not yeah. worth it. I've made money. I mean, he's made a life-changing amount of money. Like, it's oh, sure. he's, he's set. And I've said that, too. If I, if I, I mean, we all have that price. That say, well, what, would you, what would you spend to just – or what would you have to make to just quit and just live off of that? I, I mean, as obviously – Whatever Andrew Luck made is plenty, but, you know. <laughs> Whatever Andrew that Luck made it halfway through a season is enough money. Yeah, his like, rookie deal was probably plenty. <laughs> I want to be clear on that. But anyway, I thank you guys all so much for, to, uh, for coming on this episode. I thank all of you at home for listening to this episode, watching us, enjoying it. Um, for all of the guests here from the Vegas Squares podcast, make sure to check them out. Uh, it's, it's great if you're into sports, if you're into sports betting. Um, it's content you're just not going to get from me. Um, these guys are not competitors to me. They're friends of mine. I love uh, giving them the shout out. I love giving them the plug. Um, I love the content. I listen to their show even when I'm when I'm working at whatever I'm doing. I I listen to their stuff. To their stuff. So uh, give them a listen. Um, for all you guys, Token, Spike, Aaron, thank you so much for tuning in. All of you at home, take care and bye bye for now.